heart of where innovation, money, and power collide. In Silicon Valley and beyond, this is Bloomberg Technology with Emily Chang. Chang in San Francisco, and this is Bloomberg Technology. Coming up in the next hour, a conflict that will only get more brutal. U.S. officials warn more indiscriminate tactics coming from Russian forces in an attempt to suppress the Ukrainian resistance. We're live from the White House. Plus, Apple stopping all product sales in Russia, saying the company stands with all of the people who are suffering as a result of the violence. And Airbnb says it'll help shelter 100,000 Ukrainian refugees who fled their country as Russian forces continue their assault. My conversation with Airbnb CEO Brian Chesky later this hour. We're going to get to all of that in a moment, but first I want to get a look at the markets in the final moments of U.S. trading. Apple saying it's halted all product sales in Russia. Our Ed Ludlow with us now. Ed, what was the impact? Yeah, I mean, the news story, the news flow intense over this Ukraine-Russian conflict and the oil story front and center. You look at that monster move in your screen. We're still above $100 a barrel on WTI West Texas Intermediate. And that move higher in oil, despite the U.S. and other developed economies pledging to release stockpiles rippled through risk assets. You see red on the screen with equities. The worry is that those higher energy prices adding to inflation. The worry is the situation in Ukraine and Russia impacting global growth. The S&P 500 down 1.5%. The Nasdaq 100 down 1.6%. That's despite a pretty sizable move lower in yield. You see bond markets advance, the US 10-year yield, the benchmark yield down 10 basis points to 1.72%. It was just 20 days ago that we were above 2% on that US 10-year yield. Broadly, this is a commodity story. This is the impact from the conflict in Ukraine. Come with me into my Bloomberg terminal. Look at this chart. We've been focused on energy markets, oil and natural gas. This is industrial metals because now you see corporate America taking notice, taking action, not just in terms of removing their products from Russia, but also the impact to higher input costs that they now face. You see that the Bloomberg Industrial Metals Index rising by the most since December, but it's now at its highest level since 2011. This is what I'm talking about, about the inflation story coming out of the Ukraine-Russia situation, those higher impact costs and that impact to global growth. Of course, now the market also considering what the Federal Reserve does in the outlook for rates. Of course, specific stock stories we're looking at on Tuesday as well. Back to me in the studio. You have to start with supply chain. HP Inc., one of the biggest makers of PCs in the world, down eight-tenths of a percent on Tuesday. Great quarter just gone. They're warning on profit this quarter. Why? Russia-Ukraine conflict. Lucid, down 14%. Not directly tied to conflict, but supply chain. Cutting its outlook down from 20,000 vehicles to 12 to 14,000. Big tech is taking action now. You see all these statements coming out about sent or removing Russian-affiliated uh, media from platforms. Meta down 4%. And Apple, as you said, Emily, the top line, pausing sales in Russia. Ed, huge statement from Apple today. This from an Apple spokesperson. We've paused all product sales in Russia. Last week, we stopped all exports into our sales channel in the country. Apple Pay and other services have been limited 
RT News and Sputnik News are no longer available for download from the App Store outside Russia. And we've disabled both traffic and live incidents in Apple Maps in Ukraine as a safety and precautionary measure for right. Ukrainian citizens. So certainly a number uh, of very significant moves by Apple standing in solidarity essentially with the Ukrainian yeah, people. Yeah. The, the biggest company name in the world, the biggest action by corporate America today. You have to remember, Russia is a small part of sales. For Apple, you'll get into that with Mark Gurman later. But clearly a big statement. And by the way, just after Apple made that announcement, Ford followed suit, saying it is actually pausing its operations in Russia as well in partnership with its JV there. You see the stock down three-tenths of a percent in after hours. All right. We're going to talk to Brian Chesky about Airbnb on the same issue as well later this hour. Ed, thank you. Meantime, Western military officials say Russia's invasion of Ukraine is entering a new phase, promising an even more deadly time ahead for Ukrainian civilians and its soldiers. I want to get now to our Bloomberg Washington correspondent, Anne-Marie Horden, standing by at the White House. Anne-Marie, President Biden spoke to President Zelensky earlier today. What is the latest that we know? Yeah, they are certainly keeping in touch. Uh, the press secretary said that at least between the Ukrainians and uh, the Americans, there's conversations almost daily. But the president spoke directly with President Zelensky today. And this is, of course, as Kharkiv, the second biggest city. There has been an onslaught in terms of that city and many reporting that now a lot number of civilian uh, places are being attacked. And then, of course, you have a very long uh, road into Kiev that the Russians are just filling up. So you can see these two big cities are really starting to get either uh, hit or encroached. And of course, the president uh, speaking about that with the State of the Union, this has really changed the tone of his State of the Union speech because a lot of the time presidents really want to focus on what's going on domestically. But given that we have this Russian invasion of Ukraine, the president is going to be focusing on that. Absolutely. The State of the Union coming up. And certainly, what does President Biden have to reassure the American people about at this time, given the impact we're seeing on the economy and the concerns about rising inflation? Yeah, this is really where the foreign policy meets the domestic, because what we are seeing on the foreign policy front is, of course, sanctions against Russia, incredibly harsh sanctions that are having a ripple effects across the financial community around the world, and especially in Russia's number one industry, and that is fossil fuels, oil and gas, and that any sort of price premium we will see in the oil market that will trickle down to individuals at the gasoline pump right here in America and across the world. But it's not only that, Emily. When you look at Russia, it is a commodity superstore, wheat massive export, palladium, aluminum, all of this feeds into the supply chain. So this is just going to make it harder for this administration to fight inflation. And that is their number one domestic challenge. All right. Bloomberg's Anne-Marie Hordern in Washington at the White House. Anne-Marie, thank you. I want to get back to that Apple News halting product sales in Russia. Joining me now, our very own Mark Gurman, who covers Apple. Obviously, this is a very significant statement from Apple. Mark, how big is Apple's business in Russia and how will this impact the Russian people? Yeah, I mean, Apple's business in Russia is pretty minimal, right? It is one component and not even close to the top of the biggest components in terms of their overall sales in Europe, which I believe is their third biggest market between, between, uh, behind the U.S. 
in China and other parts uh, of Asia. So in terms of the financial impact on Apple, I think it's going to be fairly minimal. This is them taking a stand on this issue. And you saw after Apple put their statement out, uh, it came like Niagara Falls, a bunch of statements coming out after from, from Ford, from other companies, Universal I saw from Nike about them pausing their operations or slowing some of their ties uh, to Russia as well. Right. Apple saying in their statement, we join all those around the world who are calling for peace. I mean, do you expect more potential companies to be motivated by this, essentially, given that Apple, even though their business might be small there, is such an iconic company? Uh, I mean, personally, I think you're going to see uh, lots of companies in, in the Western world, whether that's in the U.S., in the U.K., uh, you know, uh, elsewhere in, in Europe really take a stand and pull their operations or at least halt sales and operations uh, in Russia. Apple was the big one, though, from a tech perspective, right? This was the biggest tech company by far that had direct-to-consumer sales in Russia. For a, over a decade now, or about a decade now, I should say, Apple has had a dedicated standalone online store in Russia where you basically go to apple.com slash ru slash store and you could buy products as a citizen in Russia, and these are from an American company, right? So this was the big one. Apple probably had to do it, and they did it. And this is a, you know, it's a very good symbol for the company and some of the social issues and policies that they stand on. So this is a, a plus for Apple, and you see other companies following suit now. Right, and we know Apple CEO Tim Cook has taken a stand on a number of social issues um, since he's been leading the company. Okay, Mark Gurman, thank you. We'll see if other companies follow suit. Coming up, social networks scrambling to police content in the midst of Russian disinformation. I'm going to be joined by researcher Renee DiResta, who's spoken before Congress on these matters to talk about how big tech companies can better combat foreign propaganda. That is next. This is Bloomberg. announcing that it's now labeling tweets affiliated with Russian state media, an effort the company says to, quote, significantly reduce the circulation of content pushed by the Russian government. Twitter also saying it'll put labels on other state-affiliated media outlets in coming weeks. My next guest says this is an important step as we examine the role of disinformation on social media. Joining me now, Renee DiResta. She is a research manager at the Stanford Internet Observatory. She spent years studying disinformation and even testified before Congress on these issues. Renee, great to have you back with us. So talk to us about the significance of labeling state-affiliated media. And is labeling enough or should it be blocked entirely? to stop the spread of disinformation? These are really hard questions, Emily. Thanks for having me on. Um, first of all, the labeling state media initiatives actually began in early 2020 when we started to see accounts out of China, uh, Chinese state media using Facebook, using Facebook ads in particular to push false and misleading claims about COVID to audiences worldwide. That was one of the initial events that kind of precipitated the idea that people who are receiving information should know what the source is, particularly if the source is from an account linked to a foreign government. A lot of the conversation about disinformation on social media focuses on the bots and the trolls and the kind of covert chatter that comes and goes. You know, we see waves of accounts come and then get taken down. And those accounts are interesting. Those accounts can 
potentially shape a conversation, maybe participate in making something trend, but ultimately state media accounts have standing audiences in the tens to hundreds of millions of followers. And these are the mouthpieces, the very overt attributable broadcast mouthpieces uh, that governments have built up over time to put their view of events out to the world. Uh, in so a conflict, Sorry, go ahead. What do you let's let's talk about that in the current conflict. What are you seeing from Russian state run media that is particularly alarming and how widespread is it on big social platforms? So what we're seeing is is states using their media outlets to target different types of messages to different people, depending on where they are. So Russia has not really done a whole lot targeting Western audiences in this particular conflict. We are not the, uh, the, the, the audiences that they consider most relevant. They're really focusing their communication domestically on their own citizens, trying to create support for a conflict. Uh, and then they're focusing near to the conflict itself, trying to mislead the people of Ukraine, trying to make them think that their government is leaving, that their fighters are giving up, uh, that, that, you know, that, that the, that the, resistance is collapsing to demoralize the public there. And that is where, and particularly in a situation like this, some of the false and misleading information, including that put out by state media, can have a significant degree of harm in the conflict area itself. So Western audiences or non-regional audiences are a wholly separate uh, issue. They may be trying to shape public perception, but ultimately the thing that is of real concern that platforms are trying to be aware of is information from Russia targeting people in Ukraine or targeting people in the immediate region because they are trying to use the information war to bolster uh, the shooting war. And to your understanding, what has the impact of that been? I mean, you know, we've heard reports from folks in Russia, folks who have family in Russia, that they don't, many of them don't have any idea the extent of what's really going on. We've seen the same, the same commentary from people from even captured soldiers who say we were told that they would welcome us. We were not told that this was uh, that this was what we were going to be going there for. So there's a whole lot to, to kind of unpack and, and, and try to understand in that dynamic. But one thing that's been really remarkable about this is the Ukrainian government, the Ukrainian ministers, constantly on Twitter, constantly on social platforms, on Telegram and other places, telling the world what is actually happening, actively pre-bunking. You have President Zelensky uh, regularly uh, streaming himself, you know, reinforcing the fact we are here, we are fighting. And so in that in that action, in that that um, quite visible use of social media from the Ukrainian government, from the people of Ukraine, you are seeing a pretty remarkable pushback against uh, against Russia's efforts here. And this is where this question of what should be blocked, what should be allowed, um, you know, the people are spending a lot of time actually kind of flooding the pages of Russian state media, leaving pro-Ukraine comments at this point. So I think the decision to uh, to respond to governments in Europe and others who want to see content either uh, made inaccessible or, um, or, or temporarily blocked in certain regions makes sense in a particular part of the world that maybe is more directly impacted by certain types of misinformation versus what we're seeing in the West, where, you know, American audiences can still go and see this content if they're so inclined. Absolutely. The way that President Zelensky has been uh, communicating with his people and with people around the world has been incredibly powerful. What do you think the platform should be doing? I mean, Meta announced it stopped recommending Russian state media to Facebook and Instagram users. 
is that enough? Is it enough to do it now? Should it be, you know, you know, last beyond, uh, you know, when this war, hopefully this war is over? That's a really challenging question. For a long time, we've had this idea, you know, in, in America um, that under something like the Foreign Agent Registration Act, we should know what foreign governments are saying. We should be able to receive that information, that communication. But in a time of crisis such as this, uh, in a time in which life and death decisions can, can come about as a result of people seeing incorrect information, uh, there are rules that are being put into play in the short term that need to be more carefully considered as we evaluate where to go in the long term. Now, you talked about how difficult it is to discern misinformation on TikTok in particular. Is there something different about TikTok that makes it more of a minefield when it comes to misinformation and why? TikTok is, you know, most people consume TikTok in their app. It's, um, you know, I opened up my TikTok the other night and my the very first video that began to play was a video game and it had a, you know, nameless account. It was a shooting video game, first person shooter. Um, and uh, they were claiming that this was a scene of a conflict between Russia and Ukraine. And, you know, Twitter has been pretty good about uh, either labeling or throttling these, you know, uh, Facebook as well. Uh, but on, on TikTok, there it is with, you know, kind of a million likes, and it's uh, right there, the, the first thing that uh, that plays. And so the other thing that TikTok does not have is actually that, that very basic state media labeling. Um, so when there is content that is produced by propagandists, the audience doesn't know. So this combination of Content being repurposed, um, content being put out by you know by a, an unverified or actively um, you know incentivized to harm kind of source. Uh, the the people who are receiving the content on the platform can't tell. It, it takes them a lot of extra time to go and try to reverse image search a clip from a video, which is not something that is native or easy to do on a mobile phone when the information is being pushed to you. So I think that TikTok really lags uh, its partners in the social media, you know, of the big social media players in not having these policies in place. And more importantly, we're seeing Meta and we're seeing Twitter reacting very quickly to uh, to either take down networks that they've found or to come up with these new labeling policies uh, that are specifically tailored for the current events on the ground. And we don't really see TikTok um, following suit in that regard. Interesting that you see TikTok being behind there. Uh, thank you for helping us navigate some of these really thorny issues. Renee DeRester, DeResta researcher at the Stanford Internet Observatory. Good to have you with us. Coming up, is the Zoom glory over? We're going to talk with Zoom CFO Kelly Steckelberg after the company's projected sales this quarter fell short of Wall Street estimates. How it can earn back investor confidence. That's next. This is Bloomberg. Well, as more employees return to work in their offices, questions loom about whether Zoom's appeal during the pandemic era will fade. Zoom shares have declined by more than 75% from their October 2020 high. How will the company sustain growth beyond the pandemic boom? CFO Kelly Steckelberg with us now for more. Kelly, I have to ask you, given the geopolitical situation, your reaction to what we're seeing in Ukraine, obviously there's a humanitarian concern, but how are you viewing the impact on the economy and to potentially Zoom's business? So first of all, of course, our hearts go out to everyone impacted by this unfortunate situation. 
we um, feel, feel lucky as an organization and a company that we don't have any employees that are directly impacting the region. We do have some of their family members that are there, so we're doing everything that we can to help. And we have very minimal exposure from a revenue perspective in either of the two regions. So in terms of the impact that we're, we expect directly on our business, it, it's really de minimis. So let's talk about Zoom. You know, as I said, there are questions about whether the glory days are over, and I'm sure that you will disagree. You're planning to stop reporting the number of customers with over 10 employees, pivot to reporting just the number of enterprise customers. Can you explain that change and what it means for this bigger picture? Sure. So first of all, I just want to highlight we were very pleased with our results for FY22 that we reported yesterday growing year over year 55% to over $4.1 billion. And as you highlighted, we really have seen tremendous growth in two parts of our business, which is the enterprise, which is that that is touched by our direct, our channel and our ISV partners. And then our online business, which is now approximately 50% of our business. So we are shifting metrics, as you mentioned, to focus on the enterprise, which is this is really where we see the long-term sustainable growth of our business. And we saw strong performance here with, you know, customers with more than um, $100,000 of trailing 12 month revenue accelerating. We saw a strength with Zoom phone that had a record quarter with over 550 seats added. And so we're really excited about the future. We also Last week announced Zoom Contact Center, which is our cloud contact center solution, which is fully integrated into the Zoom platform. So this is really a big year of transition for Zoom as we're moving from being a killer meeting app to a platform for communications and collaboration. Right. Now, I'm curious if you can clarify Zoom's stance on Ukraine. I noticed that some parts of the country, the separatist areas, Crimea, uh, Etc. not serviced by Zoom, but Russia's not on the list of banned countries. Can you explain that? So we do have some business in, in, in the region of Russia that is mostly through resellers. And we will continue, of course, to comply with all U.S. laws and sanctions. And we're very closely monitoring those. Is there any consideration of self-sanctioning? Obviously, we saw Apple take a dramatic move today for it as well. Yeah. We certainly internally keep discussing all the options in how do we best support everyone that's in, you know, UK, Ukraine region and how do we do what's appropriate and what should we do as a good corporate citizen. So as this is a, you know, very quickly evolving um, situation, as you well know, we keep discussing it and monitoring it and trying to make decisions in a real time basis. And, you know, to this bigger question, you mentioned Zoom phone earlier. Talk to us about how well these ancillary, ancillary businesses are doing and whether you see that sort of padding, you know, any lack of growth you might see in the core part of the business over the longer term. Yeah. So our strategy has been from the beginning to start with Zoom meetings and then continue to expand you know, our share of wallet from our customers by selling them additional services. And Zoom phone is a perfect example of that. We also see Zoom rooms as organizations are thinking about welcoming their employees back to the office. The conference room strategy is really key to make sure that as they have employees working remotely, that it's inclusive and that they're bringing them together in a way that works for everybody, those that are inside the room and those that are without. 
Also, just as we expect the future of work to be hybrid, we also expect events to be hybrid as well. And our new product, Zoom Events, went GA last year. And that's really, as we look forward to these right. large events and people want to come together, but they also want to have that virtual component. Okay. Zoom CFO Kelly Steckelberg, always great to have you here. Thank you, Kelly, for taking the Thanks. time to join us. Coming up, Airbnb offering homes to tens of thousands of Ukrainians fleeing their country. My conversation with CEO Brian Chesky next, how he's making that a reality and his take on self-sanctioning in Russia. That's next. This is Bloomberg. Airbnb is offering free shelter for up to 100,000 Ukrainian refugees fleeing the Russian invasion of their country. CEO Brian Chesky telling me he plans to work with neighboring European states to provide long-term stays as well. Take a listen to my conversation with him earlier today. We announced yesterday that Airbnb, in partnership with Airbnb.org and our host community, have a goal to house up to 100,000 refugees fleeing Ukraine. Now, since we made that announcement, we've had over 30,000 people visit the page to learn about how to be a host or to donate. And we're just trying to get more word out because basically the name of the game is the more hosts we have, the more refugees we can house. What's the feedback you're getting from governments, from border crossings, about the situation that these refugees find themselves in, in the crosshairs of a war? Yeah, I mean, we've reached out to 14 different governments in Central Eastern Europe, governments like Poland and Hungary and Romania and Germany. And what they're telling us is mostly thank you, because the uh, there, uh, last reports I heard, there were over 600,000 refugees that have been fleeing Ukraine. And so these governments need to find a way to house them. And what we can provide is an infrastructure. You know, we've housed 54,000 refugees for free since we started Airbnb, we've housed over 100,000 people in need for all different events for free. So I think we can be, we're being viewed, I hope, as a solution to a problem that they have. We can be a great partner, and I think they're appreciative of the support and the help. Uh, what's been the response from hosts in these countries? Has there been an outpouring of support? Yeah, I mean, it's just starting, obviously, in the last 24 hours, but we have we have had a large response so far. And just to give you a point of reference, two years ago when the pandemic initially, of course, broke out, um, we, were, we worked with the French government, for example, to provide housing for workers in the front line. Tens of thousands of hosts stepped up. We had thousands of tens of thousands of hosts step up, to provide housing for Afghan refugees, and we're expecting a pretty big response. Again, the main thing we need to do is just make sure that in the kind of flood of all the noise going on, that people who have homes that have availability in these countries know that they can take in refugees. Now, I, I know Airbnb has a significant number of listings in Ukraine, given the number of short-term rentals I see in Kyiv, in Lviv, in Odessa. Do you have employees in Ukraine? And what is the status of your operations and hosts there? Yeah, we, 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 we don't have employees. Uh, we, don't have a lot, we don't have a meaningful number of employees in Central Eastern Europe. We're primarily in certain hubs. Um, now, as you imagine, we have thousands of listings in countries in all over Central and Eastern Europe. And so our, our big focus right now, right now we're focused on two big priorities. Number one, we're trying to make sure that our hosts and our community is safe. So we're doing a lot of outreach to our hosting guests 
in countries all over Central Eastern Europe. The second focus we have is try to house as many refugees as, as possible. And this entire refugee effort, Emily, really started three days ago. You know, it was Thursday, Friday, it became apparent that there were going to be hundreds of thousands of people fleeing Ukraine. And so we've worked all weekend through yesterday to be able to mobilize this effort. Now, several companies have been self-sanctioning, pulling back their business operations in Russia. We just saw Apple pause all product sales in Russia. I know Airbnb also has a number of listings in Russia. Will you consider halting business there? Uh, what kind of conversations are you having? Yeah, I mean, as you can imagine, we have our hands full right now because we made this huge commitment to house up to 100,000 refugees. That being said, I'll say two things. Number one, um, you know, we are we are going to cooperate with the U.S. government. We're in constant contact with them and supportive of whatever sanctions that they intend to impose. Number two, as a practical matter, a lot of the sanctions that have been imposed on the Russian banks in Russia have limited our ability to do business, the ability of people in Russia to receive money and the ability of people in Russia to pay. So as a practical matter, a lot of our business is probably going to be on pause just from the inability to be able to pay. But we are looking at other steps. Um, as you can imagine, we're just triaging right now. So on that note, how are you expecting the war to impact travel overall across Europe? I mean, what are you bracing for here? Hard to know. I, I don't really know what is going to unfold over the coming weeks and months. But what I will say is that whatever happens in Europe, our business is incredibly resilient. I mean, we have nearly every type of home in nearly every type of community at nearly every price point. And I think what the last two years have shown is however the world changes, our business can't adapt. And so, you know, we continue to ask ourselves, how can we help in this time of need? The most important way we can help right now is housing people that need a place to stay. <clears throat> but, you know, I, I'm sure this is going to have a, a disruption on European travel, but we'll be able to adapt to whatever that disruption is. Airbnb CEO Brian Chesky there. You can catch more of my interview with Chesky at Bloomberg.com. All right, coming up, crypto and the war in Ukraine. We're going to be joined by Starkiller Capital's Lee Drogan to talk about the role of crypto in this conflict and whether it could become a tool to circumvent sanctions. That's next. This is Bloomberg. Time now for our crypto report. I want to bring in our crypto contributor, Shanali Basik, as we see Bitcoin surging for a second day. Shanali, are we seeing Bitcoin decoupling from traditional markets here, beginning to trade on its own? And is this being influenced by what's happening? In yeah, Ukraine? there's a few really interesting things happening in the market here, Emily. You have Bitcoin prices themselves getting closer now to $44,000, really getting lift here the last couple of days. And if you take a look at the prices here, you take a look at a Bitcoin price that's risen over the last two or three days, really much higher than four days ago, while stock 
stocks in that period over the last two days have dropped, where there was a correlation just about a week or so ago that it looks like it's starting to break off. I also want to take a look here at Ethereum prices, because you have Ethereum here now reaching about $3,000, uh, and it also has had a significant lift the last couple of days. Now, when you take a look at volumes, you see that Ethereum also closely tied to a lot of stable coins, a lot of discussion around stable coins and the value of them in this uh, new era where there's a lot of uncertainty. Besides Ethereum, you're seeing a lift in stable coins like Binance, the US dollar, and Tether. And so let's see when volumes are really very high in those assets, how much this can sustain into the next couple of days. All right, Shanali, stick with us. I want to continue this conversation about crypto and the role in the Ukrainian war now with our next guest, Lee Drogan from Starkiller Capital. Lee, you've been uh, tweeting furiously about some of these issues, and I'm curious what you read into the rise in crypto. Is this solely to do with what's happening in, in Russia and Ukraine? Is it because there's simply more demand there? There's definitely a spot bid that's independent of other risk assets. And, you know, as you just pointed out, the correlations have definitely broken off. Specifically, you know, we still have a VIX, equity VIX above 30, which historically has led to incredibly high correlations between crypto and equities. We've also seen, you know, on-chain analytics as well as <clears throat> spot flow coming from different exchanges that basically says there's there's something between three and four times the amount of volume in ruble to BTC or ETH pairs on these centralized exchanges. And that's that's a one-way trade, obviously, right now. So there's definitely a bid coming out of that uh, area of the world for obvious reasons. People are trying to get the hell out of rubles. Uh, how long that lasts is is definitely a question because the Russians are cutting off, you know, all FX flows out of the country, and at some point, you're just not going to be able to use a, a card or a bank account to uh, put any more money into these exchanges. So look, certainly we're seeing crypto be used to support uh, the Ukrainian resistance effort in incredibly powerful ways. There's also this major concern that the Russians could use cryptocurrency to circumvent sanctions. Do you see that as a real risk? I don't think it's a reasonable scenario today. Come back in three or four years from now, maybe sooner, and maybe the market is liquid and large enough to the point where it could support that kind of evasion. But today, it, it just it wouldn't be possible. Basically, uh, one, they have capital controls on everything at this point. So you, you've got to try and get it out of a bank account and onto a centralized exchange. That's hard enough. And in that part of the world, there really aren't that many DeFi direct on-ramps either. And so getting into the DeFi isn't really that easy. But even if you were able to get it into a CeFi exchange, so you're going to do this in Bitcoin, which really isn't a great medium of transfer given its volatility. And there really aren't enough DeFi stablecoin pairs between the ruble and USD or EUR to, to make this a viable solution for getting around these types of things. And so it's really up to the CFI exchanges to make sure that they are complying you know, with all of the sanctions and, and regulatory issues. And it seems like they have been so far. 
it's hard to believe that somebody could get enough money into DeFi at this point mm -hmm. to really evade what they're what they're attempting to. Lee, and I'm really curious here, you make this point on capital controls and Russia's ability to really clamp down on people who are the ordinary citizens who are trying to move their money into crypto. And I'm wondering what that says more broadly about a government's ability to stop people from transacting in cryptocurrencies when they need to. Yeah, well, look, there's a very good reason why people like me deeply believe in what's going on in DeFi. Uh, and it's not for some crazy libertarian reason. It's it's because of things like this. You know, the United States is only one country on this earth, and there are a lot of other places where you don't want to be holding your entire net worth in some, you know, <clears throat> kangaroo currency. And the ruble has been terrible for a decade now. So um, I think it's a very important, you know, concept that this ecosystem ends up flourishing. What you're also seeing right now is this battle between centralized stable coins and decentralized algorithmic stable coins. Terra Luna is going crazy right now because there's a massive inflow of capital into that protocol because it's a decentralized stablecoin. There is no fiat bank account that a government can uh, regulate and clamp down on and, and take your you know, stablecoin, whereas USDC or some of these other centralized stablecoins, they can absolutely do that. There's literal dollars sitting in a vault somewhere. So mm -hmm. I, I think there's a very interesting uh, difference between you know those two frameworks. Yeah, it's interesting. Luna is definitely worth discussing at some point again soon. But I do want to also get your thoughts here, Lee, on this idea of uh, what you called the cryptoization of Forex and this idea that there really are only a couple of currencies here that convert easily. To what extent do we see what's going on in the world today accelerating that move from traditional foreign exchange as we know it to crypto? Yeah, this is absolutely inevitable. And there are a lot of things in crypto that I don't think are completely inevitable. This is one of them. <clears throat> Trading with a bank where they're taking this huge spread for you to move dollars into euro or, or yen or whatever is is absolutely going to go away no matter how big that is there's going to be a curve pool for every one of these pairs and firms like ours are going to provide liquidity to those pairs and and be the the capital um it's inevitable the the spreads will be smaller the fees will be smaller you'll be able to do it instantaneously all of the framework for this at scale is in place today. It's literally just a matter of liquidity in the system at this point. Lee, you have been tweeting furiously about what's been going on in Russia. You said earlier that you were speaking with your family there, that your family had no clue what's going on, zero idea what's about to happen to the economy. All they get is government propaganda. It's scary and the worst Orwellian way. What do you think about big tech's responsibility here? We're seeing Apple pull products from the country forward as well. We assume there will be more. Um, but, you know, how, how else can businesses step up? Yeah, it's sad. Look, my, my wife's parents are 60, odd 60. They've lived in Russia their entire lives. 
they're not digital natives, right? Um, and so they're very much dependent on um, a specific flow of information, as is much of that country. The concept that everybody has access to a VPN and uh, you know good sources of information is com completely false, obviously. Uh, and to expect everybody to do that would be would be false as well. Do big tech companies have an obligation? No, look, they're companies. They don't have an obligation to do anything but make money. That's just the reality of it. Do they have a moral obligation at some point? Um, I would say that you know each of these individual CEOs, it would behoove them to, at this point, attempt to do the right thing. Apple makes how many tens of billions of dollars in profit a, a, a quarter? I mean, yeah, look, I, I think at some point they have to put some values above making, you know, what's the margin that they're going to lose off of clamping down on certain things to attempt to move this along a little faster. I, I think that may be smart. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that personal experience and our hearts go out to your wife's parents. Uh, thank you for joining us as well. Lee Drogan, Starkiller Capital, along with Bloomberg, Shanali Basik. Appreciate it. Coming up, remember that 19-year-old Elon Musk offered $5,000 to stop tracking his jet? Well, he didn't stop. And instead, he's now adding Russian oligarchs to the mix. Our conversation with Jack Sweeney, coming up next. This is Bloomberg. He made headlines and caused a few headaches by tracking Elon Musk's jet. Now, 19-year-old Jack Sweeney is at it again, but this time he's tracking jets owned by some of Russia's richest oligarchs following the invasion of Ukraine. We don't know for certain if the millionaires and billionaires are the ones on board, but thanks to Sweeney's programming and Twitter bots, we can track the plane's movement around the world. Joining me now, Jack Sweeney himself, founder of Ground Control and tracker of billionaires. I'm also joined by our Ed Ludlow. Jack, why did you go from tracking Elon Musk's to Russian oligarchs? What are you trying to achieve here? Well, people asked, they knew I had the tracking ability of all these aircraft, and I found the list of these oligarchs and Putin on and all that, so I just started tracking them because people wanted me to. Well, that's a pretty straightforward answer, Jack. Give, give us a sense of the technology that goes into this. How do you make this happen? Yeah, so uh, ever since ever since like 9-11, there's this new technology called ADS-B where all these planes, all the planes are required to transmit their location through their transponder. So there's all these websites and companies that receive this data and I get that data and I'm able to analyze it in my program and post it to Twitter. Now, we've noticed quite a few of these jets going to interesting places. Are you seeing any trends? Where are they right now? Uh, they're pretty much all over the world. Um, you know, the United States and a few of that all, you know, just from Russia to Russia, but no specific trend of leaving. And Jack, you kind of answered pretty straightforward. You did this because people asked you to do it, right? We've been following yeah. you a little while now in terms of you tracking Elon Musk jet. But what's in it for you? I mean, you're a young guy, respectfully. What's the rationale here? Uh, well, I just have a lot of interest in aviation, and now there's some good attention to everything I'm doing. So it's fun to track these planes and 
code the stuff and create the Twitter accounts. Do you feel like you have some sort of moral obligation here? Does that play into this at all? Uh, well, people wanted it, so I mean, they can do whatever they want with it. There's people that seem to think that these people shouldn't be allowed in the United States or other countries. So there seems to be some interest in it that way that they don't want these type of people. So Jack, previously you'd had some engagement with Elon Musk about your tracking of his jet. Do you mind to give us an update on where you kind of left that? Um, well, he seemed to no longer be interested in anything, and then he ended up blocking me after uh, all the media about the whole account and everything went out in public. And uh, he got further, a higher level of blocking, but seemed to give up on that. And now it, he doesn't really seem to care anymore. So to that point, it sounds like you're going to continue to do this no matter what Elon has to say about it or not. Yeah. Is there somewhere you want to take this, Jack? I mean, what's next? Uh, I'd like to like grow a website rather than just be on Twitter so I have more options than just creating Twitter posts. Jack, tell me a little bit about you. What's your background? How did you learn to, to program in this way and, and program these Twitter bots to... Because it's very specific, right? You get a lot of data from the system in terms of where a plane is, its location, but you've set this up in a really specific way, basically based on takeoff landing and the city of origin for that plane. Walk us through it. Uh, yeah, so there, I, ha I had some aviation experience. My dad works in aviation and I knew a, a little bit of coding and I just had interested in all of it. And during COVID, I had a lot of free time. So I just started messing around with it especially with Elon, you know, I had an interest in him and I knew he had a private jet. So I just had the idea to create a Twitter bot because there's a lot of different type of bots on Twitter and I created the plane tracking one. What do your parents think about all this since you mentioned your dad? Oh, uh, they think it's pretty cool and all their friends know, <laughs> know about it and they think it's pretty cool too. All right, well, we'll keep watching those trackers. Jack Sweeney, founder of Ground Control. Um, and our at Ludlow, Ed, you know, obviously this is a story that you've continued to follow for a while. What do you make of Jack's determination here? Yeah, it, there's two sides to this. First of all, the reason I love this show, Emily, and I love working with you is that this is about technology, right? A 19-year-old that taught himself these skills, and he's basically giving a lens into the life of billionaires, rich people that you wouldn't otherwise have. And then you have the moral side of it, right? There's a lot of outrage in Europe about several oligarchs, what they're doing, how they're speaking, where they're conducting business. So it kind of gives you a, a lens into that as well. Well, and it's certainly interesting seeing where these planes are. I know you've been looking very closely at the maps. Are there any interesting trends that you've pulled out? Yeah, I think it's interesting. The, the debate right now is over no-fly zone, right? So we just had news after market on Tuesday that United will stop flying over Russian airspace. That's a commercial carrier, of course. But we're tracking the movements of several oligarchs, billionaires, one being Roman Abramovich, for example, the owner of Chelsea FC in the UK, because he might be involved in peace talks somewhere along the way. Hmm. All right, we'll keep watching. Ed, thank you. That does it for this edition of Bloomberg Technology. We're going to be joined tomorrow by Brett Taylor, Salesforce co-CEO off the back of the company's earnings results. And 
Anthony Noto, CEO of SoFi. You won't want to miss those conversations. This is Bloomberg. Audio Jungle. Audio Jungle. Akinbani James, opening tap controlled by Duke. A good start, imperative for the Devils. Gordon off the mark, the rebound controlled by the Blue Devils in a fresh 20. Celeste Taylor didn't play in the first matchup. She's playing today, and she makes a three to get the scoring started. She was out, of course, for seven games with injuries. Let's take a look at the starting lineup for Carolina. We talked about Usby. Kennedy Ty Williams is the other player. Names you need to know. Besides, oh yeah, leading scorer, Deja Kelly. Blue Devils have had a lot of different starting lineups yeah. this year due to injuries and COVID protocols. So there's been kind of a cosmic shift at times in these last two months of the year. Tar Heels with their first lead as Littlefield connects. Must be outside to Littlefield. Screen. Oh, missed the chippy. Put back for Poole is good, however. We were here for their one loss at home this season, of course, against NC State, who they took down to the wire. Nice move. With a bounce, Kennedy Todd Williams. Off the switch. Short in the rebound controlled. Back and body. James and then stolen away. Carolina, 11 to 3. They're number six right now as well. That's a consideration for the selection committee when talking about and thinking about host sites. How about this run? 13 nothing. The full student section was all collectively holding their breath, hoping that shot was going in. Celeste Taylor, she's got all six Duke points. In the upcoming ACC tournament, Kelly could not finish. And quickly ahead, Lexi Gordon can. Here comes Duke. Tar Heels have missed eight straight Ooh. from the floor. Ooh. Kelly will change that. Whoa. What? Comes Deja Kelly. Now, when I tell you the whole building, and, and a slow-mo, unfortunately, usually does. Played for the legend, the late Pat Summit. And now the head coach for the Duke Blue Devils to start our second quarter. Carolina inside, Usby another bucket. It appeared as if there was an exchange of the game ball happening near midcourt. What did you find out, our investigative reporter? <laughs> you didn't see me out of breath running up and down the stairs. A point lead, one minute into our second quarter, the final day of the regular season in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Tournament begins Wednesday night. A little up and under. Down it goes. Akinbani James. A lot of one-on-one -on -one situations. 
They just have to have more energy in their game, and I think that's with Cheyenne Day Wilson being back in, that's going to help a lot. Mid-range is there from 16. It's 18 to 14 now. First basket of the game for the freshman. She was just 3 of 16 in the first meeting between these two. Certainly has an understanding of the rivalry. So does Kennedy Todd Williams. Jalen Murray, Carly Littlefield. Crashing down is Balagoon. She'll put it up and in. Big basket for Duke. Lead down to six again. Seven to shoot. Ashby a chance for three. The free throw line. To bust up that zone. There she catches it right at the logo. One of the open spots. Kennedy Todd Williams, an open path off glass. Getting it done. Lead back to 10 just like that. And she's got seven. Sense of urgency for Usby. Hodgson outside a little field. She fell down and she's got a chance for four. Yes, this is a three-point shooting team. You can get hot at any moment, but right now you got to give yourself a chance. Give yourself some easy buckets inside. Speaking Cheryl, of easy. They're finding a way. Under a minute to go. Usby. Patient finishing traffic. It's a bad move right there. You should take a look at the game summary there. Basically, all you need to know is this game becomes a must-win to build that resume. Pull inside. Good start for Carolina. The lead swells to 20. Day Wilson lost it. Who gets it back? There's a mid-range. Lexi Gordon. See if Deja Kelly can also get hot here in this second half. Could knock down a bunch of shots. Well, that'll help. An assist always gets you going, no matter what. Final day of the ACC's regular season. These two teams have met 102 times. They've won, both won 51 games apiece. 42-21. Look at the pass to pull. Wow. Too easy. Two terrific assists by Deja Kelly. They're playing themselves definitely in contention, in contention for top 16. Tariel's in transition. Usby continues her strong play. 29-point lead. The block by Littlefield. Put back is there. Way to stick with it. Vanessa De Jesus. You know, come to understand, obviously, with Duke and having to play a lot of minutes as a freshman, perhaps before she was ready, but a good job of giving that best effort and that was great positioning largest win for carolina in this rivalry goes back all the way to the 1960s 34 point win todd williams on your pull she's got 15. Five-and-a-half second differential between the clocks. Littlefield on senior day, yes. 
with good reason. They certainly deserved it, but there's so many weapons on this team. They're sharing the basketball. Kelly with another assist. Jalen Murray on senior day. Not go. healthy off the bench. 60 to 27. Why not? Murray going out with a bang. Ever to play in this conference on display. And of course, past episodes also on the ESPN app. For the Tigers back then, Terrell McIntyre, Greg Buckner. And that was a sweet 16 team that Clemson had in 97. And that's not even the full story of what you're going to see. Drew Carter, Coach McGraw are in there today. run out a couple of quick scores before this game ever even tipped and I think you said it earlier Murray third field goal all coming in this fourth quarter but you mentioned it hey, Duke's gonna have to win the ACC tournament that's where they are with the resume Certainly a strong field. Gonna be that's gonna be a battle for who wins the ACC championship. I'll tell you that. Taylor out of the timeout drains the three. To revive this program back to prominence, top 25, perhaps hosting the first round of the NCAA tournament. I mean, you just give her so much credit. Twenty-six point lead. 27-point lead. Approaching two to go. Freshman for three, splashes that one home. When they are on point and, and can get that type of shot that they want, they're so quick they can get themselves free. Todd Williams continues to impress, of course. You know, they're showing up. Carolina shows up in a big way. 74-46. That ties the fewest amount of points Duke has scored in a game this season. COVID Clinic tests everyone. We're best at providing incredible testing that's run by a physician and administered by a healthcare professional. There was a huge need for groups. Employers started sending their people over. So I started saying, if they can't get appointments at the sites and we need more locations, why don't we just go to them? I can go in and I can assess what's happening. There's so many industries that have been impacted and let's get all that back. COVID Clinic's mission is testing for all. If you need testing, you can get testing. If you need answers, you can get answers. The Triple B Podcast would like to invite you to come break bread with your brothers. 
If you like what you're hearing on the show, if you think we missed the mark, or if we got it all wrong, reach out to us on social media. We can be reached on Twitter at triple underscore B underscore pod or search Brothers Breaking Bread Podcast. We are the Brothers Breaking Bread on Facebook and our email is brothersbreakingbreadpod at gmail.com. Further descriptions are in the show notes. Like, follow, friend, do all that good stuff. And please never forget to break bread with your brothers. How y'all doing? We out here chilling on the spot. What up? I guess same thing. Hey, did y'all see uh, boxing. boxing? All of it. Y'all see um, Jawan out here uh, slapping other coaches? Yes, he's yeah. loud tapping coaches. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's play the video. The ladies may not have seen it. 77 to 63. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Why, why, why the lazy? It sounds like the Harvard Yale train going over here. You over here talking about? <laughs> I, maybe, I, I, and un, un, unlike Lindsey Graham, unlike, unlike Lindsey Graham, I, I immediately said that might be sexist. They black, women, they black women? Is that what it is? Unlike Lindsey Graham, I immediately said that might be sexist of me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I said that immediately. Lindsey Graham didn't say, "Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that," because I did the point the love to niggas. Go ahead. All right. I feel you. He, he said it. He yeah, said slippery it. slope Joe's here. All right. 77 <laughs> to 63. And Juwan Howard not going over immediately to shake hands. Now he's going to get in the line. Interesting finish here. 77. Oh, see, and they're going at it. Oh, yeah. Howard and Guard are not happy right now. As the two of them continue to have words. We told you Juwan Howard was not happy about that timeout. Howard just threw a right hand. 
<laughs> we have a scrum in Madison. Players are pushing and shoving. This is an ugly scene. This is an ugly scene. Oh my God. Hey dog, shout out to the band. Them niggas. Shout out to the band, nigga. I mean, they finally stopped after they realized probably what was going on with them niggas. <laughs> 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 And there's no doubt it all stems from the timeout by Greg Gard. Now, that's not an excuse for this, but that is what angered Jawan Howard. And it spilled over. You know it's bad. You know it's bad when the players got to hold the coach back, dog. That's a different level bad. That is. I like the the framing or the the, um, how they worded. Uh, Jawan Howard's suspension, suspended for the rest of the season. For those who, those who don't know, there are like five games left in the regular season. Yeah. That's still significant. But they're going to be fine. They gonna, yeah. I'd like to hear from a high school coach on the issue. Ma'am, how do you feel about uh, Jawan Howard's actions following the game? I mean, I understand. I feel like, I guess it's, I mean, I don't have like testosterone on the levels that guys have, but I feel like, hmm. why? What is the purpose? You could have done like so many other different choices, made so many different choices in that situation. And it's also, I mean, I didn't see the game, so I don't know what happened with the timeout, but was it really that serious that you need to come at a dude like that? The, timeout, the timeout was a situation where Michigan was losing. And there, you know, there are like unwritten rules about timeouts. Like if you're, you getting blown, if you're getting blown out, why the fuck are you, and you're winning, like if, if you're winning a blowout game, why the fuck would you take a timeout? And prolong the game, and you know, what I'm saying add, you know, salt to a wound, insult to injury. And that, that's uh, what he did. But, yeah. but, at the, but at the same, so Wisconsin took a timeout with like 13 seconds left. But they were up 18, I think, or something. They were up, yeah, like 18, which is, not, I mean, it's yeah. a big lead, but it's not, you know, yeah. huge. But, but also, Michigan was pressing is, too, though. Michigan was pressing. Yeah. And Wisconsin had their backups in, and, and if the backups are in the game. You want the backups to have some success because the backups may be needed at some point. So if you're in a right. game situation, you take a timeout they and coach them sure. up. He's yeah, you yeah. coach him up, coach to the whistle. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so you know, had Michigan been successful in their press and they were discombobulated without the timeout, it still would have been a dub for Wisconsin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, a real te- it's a it's a it's a it's a teachable moment, you know. And the thing is, I don't. I, I, from what I saw, I didn't see the game either. Uh, but it looked like Jawan didn't. He just wanted to go to the locker room. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And the, um, yeah, the who was it? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, he said something yeah. too, though. He, said he was Wisconsin coach. He, he was trying to, my to bad, go ahead, stop Jeff. him and talk to him about something. He probably was going to try to explain. What he was talking to him about is is Jawan said I'm gonna remember that. Well, I think the coach initially what happened was that it, what they were saying. Porsche came out like you believe what you want. The Wisconsin coach was trying to explain to Juwan why. That's why he pulled you. Because as you saw, Juwan was right. trying to walk by. The Wisconsin right. coach was trying to explain to Juwan Howard why he called the timeout. And then right. Juwan Howard was kind of just like, you know, basically, fuck that. I'm going to remember that. Right. 
Because Jawan said, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, that's why he tried to stop him. Yeah. And then Jawan tried to keep going, and then the coach put his hands on Jawan. Yeah. You know, like he didn't, he wasn't so, being yeah. aggressive. So, 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 my opinion, were y'all, what, was Jawan wrong or was Jawan right? Of course. I mean, I think both of them were wrong. Why yeah, you got to try to talk to him in that moment? Yeah. You could have made a phone call later and been like, hey, dude, this is what was happening. I that's feel true. like. In a, in a t thing like that, to know that it happened like 13 seconds before the game is over, 18, whatever you said, he's still going to be mad about this. Yeah. Like, let him go. He clearly yeah. is looking upset, but at the same time, uh, Howard could have made better choices yeah. as well and been like, dude, like, it's okay. Let me talk to me. Talk to me later. Like, hey, let me somebody get this dude because I need him not to be near me right now. Or he could have walked a different way. The whole court is huge. Why you got to walk right by the dude? Well, I mean, no, it's, they, it's, 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 it's the, the handshake line. The handshake, the handshake line. line. He, that he, if he didn't want to shake the hands with the coach, he could have walked a different way or waited or something. Or that's a hard role to play, though, as the head coach of a team. Mm -hmm. so, so, like, I'm not going to shake this coach's hand. Yeah, nah, that's, that's, it's oh, all of it's bad decisions. All of it is everybody in this situation, both of these head coaches made bad decisions. Well, and well, I think what, what, you, what you were saying about, what you're talking about is... is uh, a choice, and I don't think that's a choice. That's more of an expectation. I think that they're expected to walk through that line. Mm -hmm. And so for them to avert the line, we send a message to the team, we send a message to the public, we send a message to yeah. the uh, alumni base. Because players get fried. Players get fried when they don't do that shit. So coaches no, he, definitely That's what I'm saying. Like, you, you, and it's, again, I'm not somebody who gets angry very easily, so I, if something bothers me, I usually can, like, let it go. I would have been like, dude, just let me shake your hand now. I'm going to grimace and, like, maybe squeeze your hand harder than I need to and keep on going, or maybe I shake your hand limply and keep going. There's other ways that he could have done it to show yeah, the sportsmanship because yeah. it sounds like he's mad that this guy didn't show good sportsmanship during the game, and then he turns around and shows poor sportsmanship after the game. So it's like, that is basically what happened. how does that but, work? But out of, like, I, out of all of this, go ahead, go ahead, uh, I was just going to say, I had a conversation about this, too, this week. It's like I, the best example I could come up with I, in my head is if we're both at work and we just had a quick disagreement and I walk and I'm, I'm going this way and you're going that way and I have to, I have no other choice but to walk past you. I'm like, all right, mm -hmm. I'm not talking with you right now. I'm not talking to you. So I'm just going to walk by you and we're just going to keep it moving. And you get in my way and you try to grab me and I try to keep going. What is my reaction going to be? I feel you. Get off me. I feel you. It, I mean, I don't know the That's correct. Not... I don't know the correct answer to that. But then, of course, out of all this, since uh, the Twitter uh, never sleeps, somebody. Of I think they... I don't know if it was a Wisconsin fan, or whatever. They pulled up like game tape from Jawan Howard's uh, Michigan team when they were up like twenty and still pressing late in the game. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, <sighs> I know, hey, I, I know they should have pulled up a. Uh... Game tape of, of Michigan calling the timeout. That too. Oh, Chris Weber. It's definitely that thing. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think because, like, I don't know. Cause I, I got to hear it on the screen. And you can tell Jawan, like we talked about, he's just trying to walk by and shake old boy's right. hand. Old boy trying to talk to him. And in that moment, it's like, nigga, I'm not trying to talk. Like AC said, I'm not trying to talk to you. I'm I get it. I'm not talking to you right now. And, and, and in Jawan Howard's mind, like, he upset that they lost. He probably get, like, old boy just trying to coach up, like like Joe said, trying to coach up the, sec the, the, the bench niggas just in case we need you late in the tournament. And then, right. like we all said, you stopped me from moving forward. Now I'm like, okay, nigga, what you want? And like I said, <laughs> they, they both were wrong. They he both were wrong. He didn't smack. He didn't, he didn't put hands on the coach, the dude that was trying to stop him, on the head coach. He no, he, he on, slapped uh, the assistant coach. Yeah, yeah, and mm -hmm. I think I think that was that was a reaction 
uh, because when when everything kind of broke out, when the pushing the shoving kind of broke out, the assistant came rushing in, and I think he might have pushed. He made some sort of contact with one of the Michigan players. I think, I think you know what I'm saying. I think so it was racism, I think that's when Jawan just kind of snapped. I got a joke. And, and, and smacked I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say this. It's racism. Uh, Jawan normally, said, normally, I'm be off for the black man versus the white man. I'm normally gonna do that. <laughs> if it had been me, I'd be fired. Yeah, mm. I think. I think it was a fireball offense, man. I'd be I fired if, if that was me. Fireable. I think I'm glad that he didn't get fired, but I think it was. I think he could. Like, the the, only, the only reason he did he didn't get fired is because he's Jawan Howard. He's at Michigan. Yeah, yeah. He's at yeah. Michigan. He's Jawan yeah. Howard. And but I was watching some commentary from a lot of these sports. And what's they ranked though, too, though? And most of them was talking about that uh, it wasn't a fireable offense. And I'm like, how is that not a fire? You can't smack a motherfucker another coach, man. That's you know, it, like so. If he would have got fired, I agree with you. That's hey, you know, that's the result of your uh, of your action. That's the consequences. But at this point, where we are, what caused the smack? Because at that point, he had backed up. Then somebody, it's like he hit the assistant. Man, nothing, nothing. It doesn't matter yeah. what causes the smack. Nothing because justifies in the end of the day, anybody. Yeah, in the, the day, nothing. there's nothing that coach did that justifies to me, right. in my opinion, that justifies. Jawan Howard, who is the head coach? Who is the leader of this young me, these young men and hitting that other coach upside the face? Because then what what, 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 ha, what happens later on if they go later on in the tournament and there's a, a hard foul and a, one of his players slap him up upside right. the face and be like, I learned it from yeah. you. Learned it from you, yeah. <laughs> right. And Jawan's not a little guy. Right. No, he's not a little he's no, 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 no. He's, he's lost guy he's guy. lost weight. He's still <laughs> big as shit. Did they give did they give Harvey Knight the same smoke? No. Oh, no. When, when did Bobby Knight smack an assistant coach on another team? Yeah, exactly. No, he was just throwing chairs across no, the he, damn court. He, audience, he's a fucked crowd. Yeah, he threw a chair across the court. He, but we, when did he smack? When did he smack somebody in public? But we, but we talked about this too, though. Bobby Knight not, never not, did. That's but this, but this man. is and a different. Let's not forget, he got blackballed from the yeah, university. Yeah. It, it, but to me, though, that, that it's still fruit, you know, but it still happens in oranges, man. And we living in a 24-hour news cycle. Everybody got cameras and shit like that. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just different. It, it, the, the, I'll, the, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the, uh, the most comparable one is Woody Hayes at Ohio State. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, what happened. That was his last fucking game. He, he uh, smacked a player on the opposing team. Mm-hmm. And, oh. that was, and that was his last game coaching. Yep. Mm. Yep. I mean, I mean, to me, you, you, like a player, still bad, but as a head coach, you just you you can't be putting hands on people. That's just right. bad because you you are you are the face of that team. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're the leader of that team. The leader of and that see, team. And this is not his first offense at the uh, right. Big Ten tournament last year. Right. Who did he go after last year? Was it? Uh, I don't remember who it was, but I, I don't know. know. I just remember him going the fuck off. He I ain't put, put hands put on the, the dude or nothing, but he was he was. But they had to hold him. They had to hold his yeah. ass back. Right. That's yeah, because uh, I put the video up in check, but I don't remember who it was though. Because here's the thing, though. We just we just talked about how big he is. Like you can tell how much bigger he is than that coach. If he wanted right. to to exit stage left on that nigga to uh, quote one of my favorite cartoons or, or right. cartoon characters, he could just kept moving. He could shook that man's mm-hmm. hand and be like knocked his hand off of him and kept him moving to the locker room. Mm-hmm. And nobody, and, yeah, that, and so. that white, and what would have happened is, if that white man wanted to get his point across, it would have been him chasing Jawan Howard, which yeah. would have made him look much worse, in my opinion. Right. Because Jawan Howard would have shook his hand and be like, 
Okay, and kept it moving. Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up idolizing the Fat Five, man. Dwayne Howard, Weber, Rose, those are my favorite players. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but, no, I said them three. I said what, man? <laughs> Jackson. <laughs> I understand that they were five, but those three. That's what I'm talking we about. Know, we know who we came to see. That's, that's like no fast three, then. <laughs> so, anyway, um, I'll say what the fuck I feel. How about that? I said what I said. Right. Well, no, I want you to say I, I said what, what I said. How I feel. All right, guys. Okay. okay. So I had a, the Harvard to Yale train, nigga. Oh my bad. <laughs> Back on that. What you saying, bro? What you saying, bro? Go ahead, go ahead, Joe. My bad. Go ahead. I had a uh, Jawan Howard's uh, jersey when he was with the Bullets. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, I go back. You know what I'm saying? Really liking him. Uh, but in this situation, man, you know, he 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 just does not seem mature enough for the role he is he's in. And, that's um, what I was gonna say. That's sad to me. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that was, that's one thing I wonder sometimes with former athletes who go straight into coaching and maybe haven't gotten mentoring. I mean, you've seen coaches before, but you don't might not have the mentality to be the coach yourself. Not that all coaches who go into coaching are all already have that, but he just doesn't seem like he's ready for that kind of role. And that's not his situation, like, because he was he was an assistant coach for at least two or three years okay. with the Heat, with the Miami Heat. But that was uh, that was NBA and not college. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying, it's not like he didn't have any prior coaching experience. Now, I'm agreeing with everything that y'all saying as far as uh, him not being mature enough for that position. Uh, you know, your actions speak, his actions speak, you know what I'm saying? So I can't deny that. But all I'm saying is that, you know, it's even... I guess this kind of makes it even worse because he does have that experience. You know, mm. he does have some experience in coaching. At the, same, at the same time, I feel like, in my mind, going back to, like, athletic mind, I feel like you should have that kind of self-control as an athlete, and that should transfer over. I mean, maybe his in, a, in his athletic time, he was like, if somebody fucks with me, I'm going to punch him in the face. But I don't remember him doing that a whole lot. So I feel like right. maybe there's more passion and he's more, got more drive now because he's coaching this team and this guy just... Well, he was always team a passionate kind of, way. kind of dude. Like, he, you know, like I don't remember him getting into a bunch of physical altercations and I'm shit while he was playing, but, you know, he always had that that face. And you know what I mean? He always he, he always had that, that, that type of energy. You know, so yeah, I mean, it, he was his expressions are very outward, but yeah, I don't remember like. But then again, I don't remember none of them niggas like getting into all out brawls and shit like that. For the most I, part, I feel like I feel like I remember him being on the bench when uh, some shit pop off in the NBA game, and he'll be standing right like yeah, like, NBA, nigga, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like like Damon say, standing there, right there in the shadows, waiting for a nigga to fuck up. <laughs> it's right, it's right, that's what I'm saying. He always kind of had that energy about him. Yeah, you know what I, mean? I think it's like I feel like I get it how he got so angry because even thinking back to times I've coached and like I mean I haven't coached a team sport with timers like this but even situations where a kid might not qualify and it was a stupid reason or somebody said something that happened on the track or anything like that so I understand that like passion of like you got you're messing with my kids and I'm gonna like be really really mad about this but again it's like you make better choices you breathe you figure out something else you tell your assistant coach like let me just sit here for just three more seconds and then i'm gonna get up and shake his hand something like you there's just other choices to make right yep you know what you're against that let's hear from juan look like you hit another coach in the face what kind of happens in between to make that happen well basically uh you know i addressed with uh, the head coach that 
I will remember that because of that timeout. And uh, or someone to touch me. And I think that was um, very uncalled for them to touch me as we were verbalizing to communicate with one another. So uh, that's what ended up happening. That's what escalated. Yeah, that's he's not mature enough. Yeah, he's not yeah. Enough for that role. He touched me in the handshake line. Right. <laughs> Damn. And, and 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 so you saw he addressed what the head coach did. He didn't address what happened with the assistant coach the one he actually right. slapped. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and also it's a twenty sec it's a twenty seven second clip, but uh yeah, I agree with you. He's yeah, the maturity. Yeah, I mean I I think he had a really good season last year. I think they made the Elite Eight. Uh, yeah. I when they announced, I I grew up. You know, my mom's from Michigan. Again, just in case I didn't know, she turned eighty the other day. <laughs> but uh, but she's from Michigan, so I grew up being a Michigan fan. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Michigan football, Michigan basketball. You know what I'm saying? Mizzou was my number one team, but my number two team was Michigan. And so, uh, you know what I'm saying? I rooted heavily for him. And get back into that position, and I mean, I still think he can do great things there. Hopefully, he learns from this. Hopefully, this yeah. is the call he needs. Because um, I know that I haven't always been completely mature and everything. I did something stupid today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Good, I'm not. Do tell. Close it on podcast. <laughs> you missed something on the check-in. That is so stupid today. But uh, the point I'm making is that hopefully he'll learn from this because, I mean, I do think he uh, he can recruit there. Yeah. I do think he he's obviously uh, got some passion. I think that's going to that's gonna work for the players. Um, and I think he knows basketball. And he knows, and he knows Michigan basketball. So, I mean, I, I think he can definitely uh, make it work there. He's just – he can't let this happen again. Right. Or, or really, even like what he did last season, you know. Yeah, either. He needs to, yeah, he got it. He, he really needs to just, you know, be mindful of, uh, yeah. you know, what he's doing, man. Personal notes to, personal notes to the story. Oh, you got something Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Personal notes to the story. Uh, I was texting back and forth with my assistant coach from last year, uh, former Olympian, Muna Lee. She is now in the Wisconsin um, athletic department. Mm. She, oh, was, wow. okay. she was supposed to be at the game, and I don't—I might have broke the news to her. I sent her—I sent her the link because we were talking about something else. And she acted like she didn't know what I was talking about, so I sent her the link. She said, "Yeah, I was supposed to be at the game, and now, now I'm on Facebook blowing up." But I think whatever her electronic ticket didn't work, so she—I was like, oh, "Wow!" I like if you'd been there, you'd been having uh, punch Jawan Howard in the face. What do you feel about that? <laughs> Strong. She missed the she missed the ringside seats, man. Yeah. So anyway. Strong, strong, but yeah, man. Uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully he uh, he gets his uh, his team together. Yeah, these tabs are uh, out of order. Uh, back in, uh, I guess it's kind of fuckery though. A Park Hill school teacher who uh, said the N word, uh, nigger, to a student will retire after threat of firing. You know, we we get into the story, but I'm always amazed when people be like, "Is there, uh, is there a white word?" We can say redneck, but not the N word. And I'm like, the fact that you couldn't say the word you wanted to say let you know how how powerful that word is. Anyway, Park Hill School District official told a high school teacher they were beginning the process of terminating him. He submitted his retirement the same day. Get them benefits. Get them right. benefits. Ah, 
the teacher was paced this on the is, This is growth. So teaching is now on par with policing because police can do the same thing, yeah. right? Instead of getting fired, they're just like, put you on administrative DD or retire. Yeah. This is yeah, growth. Right. Yeah. Yay, teachers. <laughs> we might get immunity for stuff now, too, or something. Mm-hmm. So y'all go to y'all classrooms and just call y'all students a bunch of niggas. Just to retire. Yeah. And just retire. <laughs> you can't say Joe. names, though. You gotta say Yeah. Down. Yeah, I, I need you to go in there and make a bunch of racial slurs and then retire, nigga. Um, my, my, my pension ain't built like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Joe, Joe said, not yet, not yet. Your checking is safe. See, the way my check is a savings is set up. Um, Did you say how old he is? Or how long he's been teaching? Well, they got the video. Do you see the video? Is it down? Is it in here? If that's the link I sent. Oh, maybe it ain't the link I sent. You know what? I had to look. For, the one you sent was the Kansas City Star link. And that, they, they, yeah. that shit. They don't want to use Hold on, share the video. Hold on, hold on. Uh, Let's share the video. Let's share the video. Let's check that out. See, right here. Okay. Ooh, there we go. Yep, that's it. That's it. That's it. There we go. Wow, why is it so big? Unavi- video is unavailable. The fucker is Why is it so big like, though? Why does the font look like it's on like an old like? Why is that a is that a teacher yeah. or a kid? This nigga look forty. But it's the it's the ball head dude. It's the I know it's the ball head dude. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying, but this nigga like he might be a teacher's aide. He could be. Who knows? He might be a uh, might be a student teacher. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know what this white man said, but I definitely know about this picture. Scared as hell. This nigga, nah, he's, this he's not, not scared. He's, he's no, he didn't, yeah, he's not scared he's... at all. He does not agree with this white man is saying. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. He's about to Mr. Howard him. As a nigga, as a, oh, a alumni of Blue Valley oh, North, I have had this look on my face a few times. Like what? What? Mm. What y'all saying? Nah, he 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 definitely uh, was thinking. He was thinking in his head, "Shit, I knocked this nigga out." That's that's definitely was crossing through his mind. Oh my, he was damn near the whole school year. I didn't notice. So the yeah. student was suspended for 100 plus days. The kid yeah. was fucking. I'm telling you, the kid yeah, was, was was threatening to knock him out, man. Repeatedly using the ad. But he handled himself very well. I mean, even because the, the teacher kept escalating him, he handled his he yeah. handled his shit. He the did a good job. The student can be seen in the video demanding uh, that the I, teacher I, stop I, using I, the I, word. I think he Juwan Howard for that situation. Don't put in your sentences to which yeah, yeah, I must not you put in yours. Wait, let me go back and revisit. I don't know. Is he? I think. I think that the teacher was Jawan Howard. He escalated this shit. No, 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 no. The teacher was the Wisconsin coach. How? Oh. You're the older. You're the, the older person with an 18 year old or a 17 year old. Listen, listen. On, I, I'm. I don't know if y'all saw the video. I saw the video. I'm right. telling you that. I, the, the kid said the N-word, as black kids sometimes do. Right. You know what I'm saying? And the teacher repeated it. Okay. And that said, and that set him the fuck off. You know what I'm saying? But the, so then, then the teacher's in his face, and the teacher is got his hands on his chest, just like the Wisconsin coach did. Mm, and he's trying know. to uh I'm not saying he's not I'm not saying he's de-escalating, but I don't think that he is um you know what I'm saying, like flexing. I don't think he. I don't think he's uh, about to. You know what I'm saying, but he's he's not backing down either. You know what I'm saying. But the kid is. Mm. He's he's like he's like he's real life. Trying to figure out whether or not he's going to fight this teacher. 
So the older person mm-hmm. failed in this video, what you're telling me? The older person failed, yes. yes. But okay. I'm saying yes. to you, the kid also crossed the line. So the older, right. mature, yeah. the person they, supposed they, to be older and mature they, failed. As in, the, as in the Wisconsin with Michigan situation, so those, no, those are those not the same thing. Those are, those are two old men who failed. The older person who's supposed to be more mature failed. failed. They both failed. They both failed. Everybody failed. But it's not equal. It's a, it's a kid. It ain't got to be equal. They both failed. I don't care. I so guess. So the person who's supposed to be reasonable, responsible failed. Nigga, they all Can you explain it to they me a little fit. bit more, bro? The kid could have made better choices. The kid should know not I'm to be saying, stepping to a teacher. What kid knows? Everybody knows this. Okay, but okay, I guess the two teachers. Everybody here. failed. Everybody failed. Okay. it's possible. Okay, so hold on, hold on, bro, because I haven't seen the video, and my I still ain't seen nothing on my phone. So you said that the kid looked he looked like he's thinking. That looked like he said he he said he's about to fucking hit him. Oh, okay. He said that he's about to hit him. Then, yes. So okay. he said, but he asked the teacher, the white teacher, not to do it. The teacher failed. The teacher fucking failed. The kid could have yeah. reacted differently. I'm just saying that. So the, I, the asked, kid, I asked a simple look, question. Me, so the kid me, asked okay, the white teacher. The, the kid not, asked not, the white teacher me, not to do it. Roger, can I go? I just asked a simple question that you didn't answer. Bet and ran to the office and told the administration what happened. The kid did not do that. The kid was uh, in the gas in the guy's face, threatening violence. They both failed. Okay. Is that does that you think? Do you think that, in your opinion, does the kid's action warrant a what was it, hundred eighty some days suspension? Hundred plus teacher, days. Yes. I don't know. Thirty in the teacher. Thirty in the teacher. Yes, I do. Thirty in the teacher. Okay. But then also, I think the teacher deserves to be fired. So. Mm-hmm. Is you know, so remember, this is the you, same. This remember is, this. Two things can't be true, right? Yeah, I remember that, right? So this is the same. I remember, but the teacher if, I don't retired know. instead of instead of getting so fired. So instead of getting fired, the teacher was allowed to retire. Right, 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 right. Okay. So if a, so, so the, the kid teacher said, had an out, but the kid doesn't have an out. So if a kid says something, I did, absolutely, 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 he had more power than the kid had. Right. So I guess I'm I'm just trying to figure out. So if a kid says something, nigga, and then said and you said nigga as a white teacher, and then the kid said don't say that. But you keep repeating it? You think this equal? Hold on, pause. Where do you say you kept repeating it, man? They even, the, the, the black student says, yeah, because I'm black, to which the white you respond, that's logical. But then they said, he even repeat, in the, yeah, he repealed. But they're not, yeah. they never said that the teacher he kept did. saying it over I, and over and over he again. Didn't. I watched the video. He didn't. I'm, I'm, I'm asking because they, because they, because in the. He may have said it twice. He my, may have said it twice. He only, he, all he I'm saying, I, don't, I can't find the video, my nigga. In the, in the report, it's saying that the teacher repeated it. That's why I'm saying that. I'm reporting. I'm I get it. I get. I get that you're reporting it, but you asked me why I said that, nigga, because I because that's what the report says. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, they both failed. In the okay. Case. I don't know. Okay. Case. I don't tell you. The kid. The kid I, was basically threatening violence against an adult in the building. That's a problem. He could have made another choice. He could have gone and reported it to the administration, and old buddy would have had no recourse. Does the school have a, a policy Other against... Other than to retire. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting, man. I don't... Yeah. I don't know. That's a, that's a long suspension, but... I mean, I understand. You know, I, I, I definitely understand the seriousness of uh, threatening violence against a teacher. You know, you can't allow and have that. Mm. <sighs> But it's not like it wasn't. I don't, you know, once again, I didn't see the video, so I hesitate to really, you know. I don't know. I, I, I live in that environment. I don't know what y'all think. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about them, uh, somebody threatening violence against a teacher, even if the teacher's wrong? 
No, that should never be okay. Never be okay. You know, I would never want that because if, if that happens and the kid is not reprimanded in a strong way, other kids are going to start doing stuff or that kid comes back and does something. No. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Let me ask this question. Let me finish my line of question. Mm-hmm. Ida, if they, uh, if they were to threaten violence against a teacher, do you think 180 days would be an appropriate punishment? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. They can go to. Cool. There's alternative schools they can go to when Absolutely. there's suspensions okay. like that. Cool, 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Okay. They have specific places to send kids for stuff like that. So he's it's he's still in school. Challenge that. Can, could they appeal that within their function? The kid. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. my question also was like, I wonder if this kid has like. 504 IEP stuff or something going on with him that makes him be able to makes makes him well, react you to gotta, that kind you of gotta, hold on, oh, you so gotta like if he has that. like special needs in any kind of way or gotcha. like has um, anger management issues or has something going on because to snap like that although I guess my thing also is like kids now are seeing people snap at people for saying nigga all, or nigger on Snapchat and on Instagram all the time so why wouldn't he think he could step to somebody who says this? Right. People throw like fucking iced tea cans at people's heads for shit like that so other, I don't know. I will, I will add though other, other students reported that this teacher has said the n-word numerous times and also has made racist jokes about Asian people. Absolutely. Oh, so I'm saying maybe that he kid was in the, maybe that kid he was. We, we're, we're all making assumptions about this kid being having disciplinary actions. So maybe that maybe this maybe this, I'm, I'm just saying. Nobody you, said I, anything. We're saying the teacher did wrong too. The teacher I, has I, said I know, like I just, I, I, know, many times. I know. I just I'm, I'm just guys, I'm just guys, going off what you just said where the kid may have other IPA issues. Okay, I feel you. All I'm saying is someone asked why that kid might react that way. Maybe he's in the classroom when this white man made other jokes too. Also, that's all I'm saying. I mean, I don't I don't guys. This isn't basketball where the travel happened and everything else subsequent to that doesn't fucking count like like the foul didn't happen because the travel was first or the, the, the foul was on the floor no that's not that this is not basketball this is fucking real life i get it i get it for like that then that kid might know, be facing real life where he in his classroom with his white man talking about asian people eating cats and call some other by somebody else a nigga he definitely but you when things like that okay. happen but like i've had kids right. i've had kids come to like the office or come to me to tell me basic basic shit like oh the teacher is not letting us get passes the teacher is not doing this or that the teacher told me a story about this the teacher just talked about this in class the kid could all of those kids should have been reporting this and that kid should have been reporting it there's other steps like if a teacher is repeatedly saying that why is that okay i didn't read it to see if he was reprimanded other times or if the kids were telling him that but if kids now in like february are like yeah the teacher's been saying this for months all year the teacher's been doing it even last year he was doing this like they could have all of them could have made better choices too and like told somebody and i'm glad Roger, Roger, let me I'm about to say before, and I'm about to say I'm glad you and Joe are trustworthy people that your students can turn to. Unfortunately, and hopefully, maybe Park Hill will have those same teachers there they can turn to. Yeah, Park Hill's not having a good track record with things. But let me ask this, Roger. Uh huh. Let's say you got a doctor. Doctor's mm-hmm. an asshole. Now, doctors sometimes are assholes, correct? Yeah. So, oh yeah, yeah. And, and 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 sometimes you might encounter a doctor that's a racist asshole. Mm-hmm. And if a doctor has been a racist asshole all year, and then he lets his true feelings out because I don't know he's in the heat of the moment, whatever, and he he says "nigga" in your presence, and you mm-hmm. decide to challenge him in the operating room, wherever you at, you know what I'm saying, and you threaten to fire off in his face. Well, do you expect to keep your, do you expect to keep your job? Well, I'm 
You're talking about 44-year-old Roger that knows that I'm an adult and that I can also meet you outside that, by your that, car? That kid, also, that kid, every kid in school knows you can't hit a teacher. Nigga, I'm, I'm 44 every years old. Dog, if, if 18-year-old Roger will fuck a motherfucker up, bro. 44-year-old Roger who got six kids will not fuck a motherfucker up. It's different. Not the same to question. Job? Huh? Do you expect to keep your job? 18-year-old Roger will probably would have fucked that man up. 44-year-old Roger who has much more responsibility. You're not asking the same question. you expect to keep your job? I'd ask whether you hit him. Once again, once again, 44-year-old Roger, 20 years in the military, I know how to get a motherfucker that nobody would know. To answer your That's question, bro. That's all I have Howard answer. Go I'm ahead. just saying. No, no. I'll be like, <laughs> I'll be like no, no. It's not Jawan Howard-ass question. I would, nigga. I'll be like, note it. I'll see your ass in the parking lot, my nigga. And you won't even see it coming to answer your question, bro. There you go. No, but that, that wasn't a question, though, Roger. He asked, would you, if you reacted in a certain way, would you but, but I'm saying 40, to lose your job? Whether, to answer this question, on, 40, whether, whether you're 18 or whether you're 44. It makes a difference if you're 18 or 44. It does. Yeah, no, I, I'm saying, I, I, but I if you how, reacted, not saying that that's how you would do it. If you reacted a certain that, way. But that part, I'm, I, whether I hear, you're 18 I, or Zeb, I hear what you're asking me, but it's a difference. The way I was at 18, the way I was at 30 ain't the same way I'm at 44. It does make a difference to how I react to things. I know how y'all want to yada, yada, yada the age. They're saying, like, if you reacted the way this kid reacted. Yeah, you're focusing on right. You, you want to yada, yada, yada the kid's responsibility. The kid knows. I did, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not yada, yada the kid's responsibility. I'm not yada, yada the kid's responsibility. Okay. Y'all right. Kids, the, know, the, kids know not to fight with each yes, other. They know yes, way yes, better than yes, to step to Y'all right. That kid should have known. He shouldn't have acted that way. Y'all have baptized me in the fire. Can we move the fuck on? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. No, no, no. Y'all right. Y'all right. That kid should, matter of fact, that kid should got 200 days. Fuck it. <laughs> Ohio pastor is associates accused of. He probably, pro- has, he probably has 180. Yeah, probably. Yeah, he's probably a horrible probably kid. He's probably a horrible. He's probably a horrible nigger student. Let's move on. Ohio pastor and his associates accused of horrific abuse of his 19 nieces and nephews in cult like church. Okay. I don't know. I'm still digesting the last story. I didn't catch the headline. I don't know, they probably deserve it too. Ohio pastor and his associates accused of horrific abuse of his 19 nieces and nephews in cult-like church. What is the horrific abuse? I know, I was going to move on. It, it was... Uh, go ahead. I'm not saying nothing. No, no, go ahead. Uh, oh, my bad. Go ahead, uh, Ted. What I was going to say is when I read, it was uh, more of like, um, like incestual... Incest and sexual assaults. Yeah, it's oh, sexual, sexual assault in there uh, against you know these uh, young women in this church, in this cult that's ran by their uncle, uncle yeah, slash that's, pastor. That's fucked up. Pretty much. Yeah. Who are those people in that hoodie right there? Mm. I can't tell the two people in the back. Uh, looks like a big, big pun, big L, easy E, Tupac, and big. Uh, big. Yep. Okay. Oh, okay. I see him on the right side. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. In the 22-page civil suit filed February 21st in Cincinnati Federal Court, Sarah Beller says her parents mandated all their 18 biological children and one adopted child attend their uncle's Dove Outreach Church in Waverly, Ohio, reported Justin 
Rorlich. This cult-like church is owned, operated, and ministered by Defendant James Beller, the brother of Defendant Robert Beller, the suit states. Defendant James Beller preaches that siblings are meant to procreate with one another. Okay. There, there we go. What the fuck? And there we go. Where you say this is at? No, you said Ohio? Yes, sir. Where Cincinnati. Was Ohio? Wow. Well, Cincinnati is a federal court, so... What would you say, uh... Oh, Ohio, Beverly, Ohio. Know. Beverly, Ohio. There we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's uh. That's bad. <laughs> oh shit. Uh oh, this video is supposed to go with Juwan Howard. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, that's a that's a badger uh, trying to get in this house. Uh, for y'all that don't know Wisconsin, for the listeners, uh, Wisconsin, yes, bad. I got you. <laughs> I don't know what that white man did, but they might. We don't need no stinking badges. Hey, man, I don't know a more appropriate way to close out Black History Month. This is uh, the last episode before Black History Month ends, but uh, I found it. Talking about the best oh, yeah, I forgot about this. <laughs> These niggas out here pop logging for crack rocks.
It, the, the best thing is the nigga in the background, the commentary from nigga in the background talking about he won't kill everybody involved. He in won't this movie. kill everybody involved with it. Huh. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's oh, way shit. too much. That's that's too much shit going on right there. All right. Happy Black History Month, y'all. Oh, oh shit! <laughs> we should have used that during the sellout episode. <laughs> no. Uh, Roger, you gonna get a box like that dude right there? That box wig? I, I, plan, I plan on it. I plan on it. I plan on it. For your head, your bald head. Wow. I'm gonna get. I'm getting matching one for you. <laughs> oh. We can be fucking pop locker for crack rocks. Oh shit. Alright, man. The tabs have been tabulated, man. Um any caveats out there. I guess the the, the, the silence. The silence. I have uh, no source my side. Did y'all talk about the uh oh. workers in the in the uh, George Floyd? Uh yep. Case? Yep. Yeah. 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 Word. Yep. The, the source my side eye. Uh, one of my teachers at school decided to quit, and so now on Monday I have to start teaching two new classes. Yay! And he was like the worst teacher probably ever, ever that I've ever seen teach. Like horrible. Okay. Like no classroom management, no anything. And so these kids have been in class since August until now March, not knowing how to. They're supposed to act in class, and now I get to teach them starting Monday. Oh. I'm excited. That sounds loud. They, they picked the right one for the job. Yes, they did. Oh, they'll be fine. Once they're in my class, it'll be cool. Yeah. The yeah, fact yeah, that this yeah. dude just quit and wasn't to tell anybody was really something. You got yeah, we the had, right one, baby. We had one of those this year, too. They give you, do you get compensated for that? Uh, I Well, see, so since I teach and coach, I only teach two classes right now anyway, so it's really not that hard, but it's like mm-hmm. the worst of the worst, not the worst of the worst kids, just kids who haven't just been, the situation, yeah. Yeah. had any structure for right. many yeah. years, and mm-hmm. that'll just be different. But here's the thing, they, they, uh, they're, they're also craving structure. Oh, yeah. Oh, they totally are. Like, I talked to mm-hmm. one of the kids. One of the kids came in my room at the end of the day today and was like, man, I'm so happy we have another teacher. Like, we, he just doesn't teach, and I just we just can't learn, and we've been in there since August or since September, I think she said, even though she doesn't know when school started. But whatever, yeah. They want it, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've observed those same kids in other classes, and they mm-hmm. do much better in there. So it's just a matter of letting them know. In social studies, you can have structure, too. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Well, good luck to you. That's interesting I, I know. that you said uh, that cra- that Joe said that craving structure. What you said because I remember when I was uh, I went to Metro Tech my freshman and half of my sophomore year, <laughs> and um, I didn't even remember this. But once my mom reminded me, I remember. I guess after my freshman year, uh, she we were talking about the school year or whatever, and I was just like I felt like I didn't learn anything. You know, because Metro Tech was just wild. Yep. And, uh, and, and that's what she made up her mind at that point, that she was going to do whatever she could to get me to a better school. She tried to get me in Pembroke, but uh, we didn't, you know, Pembroke cost money. And I didn't qualify for the scholarship, but I was able to get into Lincoln. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I wouldn't have just Joe saying that immediately. I was like, damn, that's an interesting uh, uh, perspective. You know what I'm saying? That's, you know, just to know, just to. Intuitive, I guess not intuitive. You experience it, so you know it. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even, you know, thought about that in that way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so hopefully well, you bring it to them, man, and they can learn something. Oh, well, it's I already been brought. 
<laughs> no doubt. All right. All right. Anyone else? Anyone else? All right, man. We did it. But, Roger, what I'm saying, though, Roger, if you was 18, if do you I was, think that you would get fired? If I was 18, I'd cuss all you niggas out. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> On your way to get your last check, nigga. Oh, but if I was 18, I wouldn't give, I wouldn't give a fuck. I'll get, I'll get another job. Because 18, you wouldn't even think about it. You'd be like, fuck it. i get another job. Fuck these white motherfuckers. Anyway. I got you. But yeah, don't, that don't, dude's a middle-aged white man. He's gonna get another job somewhere. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be all right. Don't don't let this lively debate get it wrong. Uh, the 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 uh, the podcast history lets you know how much I respect the, the respect the profession of teaching, respect these two people, what they do for the community, what they do for these children. Uh, we talk about soldiers, man, but uh, teachers are on the front lines every day with these young minds. So never never let it get it twisted. This lively debate of how we feel about educators, uh, especially the educators on this podcast, and it's the educators worldwide, what they do for our community. So, salute. You know, I did have my first classroom fight of the year this week. Oh, no. Yeah, All you right. told me. Yeah. <laughs> it was interesting. So, there was these two girls in class. One girl literally hasn't been in class but two days this semester since January. Um, the other girl's here all the time. And the girl just happened to come back on Wednesday. Um, let's call her T. So T comes back, and I have, like, a seating chart for the kids, and I didn't know these kids have beef, and they actually sit in the same row with each other. Um, and this is the day that the counselors are coming to pull kids one at a time to make their schedules for next year. And so T goes out with the counselor. C is, like, at some point later, T's been gone for maybe 10, 15 minutes. C is like, can I go to the bathroom? And I was like, cool, yeah, whatever, you know. I didn't know these kids have beef. Uh, a few moments later, all of a sudden, my student teacher's at the door, and she, like, said, I suddenly hear her, like, pulling a kid, and I hear these kids talking, and she pulls uh, C inside the room and locks the door behind her because T had apparently swung at her and tried to attack her in the hallway and, like, all these things. I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> but thankfully, my room is right across the hallway from uh, assistant principal. And they were out there in the hallway. We have hallway monitor people on all the floors, and, like, two of them happened to be out there. So it wasn't, like anything harsh or crazy but i did have a good conversation with c afterwards about like choices and also like how you get home because this was like 10 minutes before school got out and i was like how do you get home today like are you going to be okay um is there beef like do you guys have other classes together like how are we going to resolve this and like her helping her friends help her to figure out what to do so it was cool c was back in class today so i don't know i guess she was not suspended but the other girl was yeah good times teaching lovely yay I guess the overall the overall theme of this uh, podcast, whether it be uh, Russia and the Ukraine, uh, a, a black student and a white student, a white teacher, Juwan Howard, in conflict resolution. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say. I thought the the the, the main theme was war is the answer. War is the, Oh no! I like to me. Some, is it good? Yeah. Somebody at work. Somebody was out. Say it again. I don't know. I don't know what movie I heard it from. Somebody at work was like, uh, Roger, violence. Violence isn't the answer. I said, you're right. Violence is the question, and the answer is always yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I won't follow that, but I like that. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I wouldn't recommend it, especially as a 44-year-old Roger, 18-year-old Roger, indeed. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> all right, man. It's time to get out of here, man. Thank you all for your time, Kim, Miss Kim. Thank you. 
Thank you for coming. Thank you for uh, inviting us on to your podcast once again, enlighten the people to your podcast. All right. Um, Psychology of the Hustle. We are on all major platforms, and it is as it sounds, Psychology of the Hustle. And thank y'all for having me. It's been a joy. Anytime. You know that. Once you, once you come, don't stay away. Here hey, we shoot, are. Me, shoot me that. Hey, shoot me that. Shoot us that link, and we'll put it in the show notes. Sure enough. Thank you. Yeah. In the yeah. Definitely. 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 All right, man. Time to get out of here. Lady Lavender. Slim AC. Zeb the Soldier came in late, but he always here. Ten meters. Half of the Buzz of Doom, Joe Jeff. I'm the KC Stork. Triple B Podcast, Brothers Breaking Bread. Never, ever, ever, ever miss a moment to break bread with your brothers and your sisters. We out. I was wondering, he got quiet? I'm right here, bro. Oh, I thought I thought, I thought that it was him saying that he was gonna fight everybody. I didn't know that was in the video. So when you said that was in the video, I was like, oh damn! Yeah, that's the the, the dude who put it up on uh, Twitter. I think it's this. I don't know if it's just Jay Washington cat or just something he found. But yeah, the nigga who's like put it up on uh, Twitter. He's doing the commentary in the background. And it's so funny. He's like, I'm gonna fight. He just keeps saying, I'm gonna fight everybody. I'm gonna kill everybody. So we gotta watch this. I, I don't want to give Joe uh, nightmares from uh, watching uh, my side piece. But yeah, we gonna yeah we gonna have to we gonna have to break bread and watch this motherfucker together. <laughs> That's what we do. That's what we do. Yeah, and for, yeah, for people out there, my side piece starring Mystical. Go ahead and watch that. Put that. Put that. I don't know. If you can, mystical. If you can find it. Yes, mystical is right. Like something newer or an older shit? It's an older one. It's like it's an older. Really? Oh, I think I might have seen that. It might have been right when you got out of jail. My favorite this scene. They should have known not to make it. It's a movie. Yes. <laughs> so many people should have known to edit it and like no. just scrap the it's whole the, thing. The it's beauty new of enough it. that that It's so happen. beautiful. Yeah. What you about to say, favorite scene, My favorite scene was the niggas was walking on the beach <laughs> and motherfucker had on socks. And then he yeah, had okay, no socks back on. And then he had socks back on again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did see that. Yo, Anthony, you saw it. You saw that movie. The whole, the whole movie, Mystical is just sweating. That's all I know. <laughs> Outside, inside, in the car. Nigga, he's just sweating. That's all I know. He, he owes child support. That too. That's all I know. Oh, shit. And he's a he's a convicted rapist who's a cop in the movie. That's all I know. Yeah. It makes sense for to think about it. Wow. <laughs> what kind of bullshit is this? Nah, it's so it's so it's so bad it's entertaining. It's Me and Lady horrible. Lavender, I think we watched, we talked about it. we watched it what, at least four times. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty sixteen is when this came out. Yes, man. Oh, look at you doing the research. You you put that in. Twenty sixteen. So if you think about it, they were editors in twenty (laughs) sixteen. They were cinematographers in twenty sixteen. Oh. They were uh, people who picked actors, so they could have chosen not to have Mr. Cal in this movie. They were so many places that. But uh, but all all those all those people cost money. Yeah, all those, yeah. all those folks cost money, yeah. and, and this this is done for the low low. Hey, all I'm, it was like, very oh, much. All I'm gonna say is probably probably the worst explosion scene I've ever seen in the movie. 
first and foremost, Dewey Allen, who is the producer, yes. is from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So what he did was he brought yeah. the Louisiana crew together so, so they could generate so, funds for the region. Y'all so are Kim, missing the bigger Kim, picture. Kim, I need you to do is take a take a no, hit of your take no, a hit of your peace pipe. Made a bigger take a hit of your peace pipe before you get into the bed tonight. Go ahead and lock that in. Go ahead and lock that in. What is what is the name of this shit again? My side piece. It's called my, my side piece. Yeah. Wow. Think about think about all the all the money saved, all the money saved in editors and, and production assistants, writers, hey. writers, and all that shit that was that was that recycled back into the community. <laughs> it clearly went to the community and not to anything in the movie. Hey, absolutely. Yeah. But hold on. Side note: the dude who sings the song, my side piece, and who's which is actually a song, they coming to Kansas City this weekend. Oh, shit. I heard on the radio, nigga. I was like, "What?" Did they say the people from my side piece? Huh? No, no. Did it's they just say the, from my side piece. No, it's just no. They, they said the dude's name, but they, they had um, the song "My Side Piece." I was like, "Wait a minute, nigga. That's the, I said the nigga from the movie coming." <laughs> yeah. If Kim, you can, you should definitely get on YouTube and watch you the trailer. It. Yeah. Watch the trailer. If you can find it. It's on the Tubi, okay? They, oh, it's on Tubi now? They're they moving up. Tubi. Because cause when we saw it, we had to download a separate app just to watch it. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> but if it's on Tubi, oh. hey, salute. Salute. They're they moving up. They're making money now. Okay, wait a minute. Now, is it, was it the side piece or the side piece Lotto? Because they done came out with another version. Oh, oh shit. Oh, I don't know about the, it wasn't no Lotto. Yeah. It wasn't no Lotto. It was just my side piece. Okay. No. It should be mystical frowning in a, a fucking security officer suit, but he's supposed to be a cop. <laughs> didn't didn't that motherfucker just say, it said uh like on the badge it said like straight police? It said <laughs> police. <laughs> nigga, just police. Did it indicate what city he served? No in? city. <laughs> he didn't. Hey, he didn't have no last name on his back on his no. other other chest plate, nigga. It was just my police. And you knew it was Those mystical. Those kinds you had when you were like seven, when you played. So the niggas, right, the right. niggas costume right. budget, the niggas costume budget was at Party City. Yeah, Salvation Army. I don't even know if it was Party City. It was probably like those places that are only open on Halloween and then are closed. <laughs> right. Like after that. <laughs> yeah, it was it bad. Was like it was bad. Uh, All I'm saying cool. is, y'all mm-hmm. need. To, we, I don't know. Like whenever we do this fucking get together, uh, we should probably watch it again and just do that. that that's the podcast, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we need to watch this Martin Luther King crack movie. Free oh, crack. Yeah. No, we need Everybody. to. It needs to happen. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna get off of here. It's that time. Free crack. MLK's holiday. The nigga got it. The nigga got his own holiday. Anyway, <laughs> ain't, ain't, ain't nothing free. Ain't, who can do Who can do the best thriller dance? <laughs> the best thriller dance. Oh my God! Free crack, free crack. Hey man, but thank Hey, thank y'all, man. Uh, and I'm gonna holler. All right, All right. y'all be safe. Yep. All right, out. Yeah. Break bread with your brothers whenever possible. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors about bundling your home and auto. 
In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Hello and welcome to the Glitch Lap Podcast. I am Lloyd and I'm joined by Mel and Ross. How are we both? Uh, I'm very happy to be back because we missed one last week. But um, yeah, I've really been excited. This, I've been looking forward to this all day. So I, I, couldn't be, I couldn't be any worse than I was last week. So I, I'm much better. <laughs> yeah, Ross, Ross was poorly last week. Then I was poorly like late before. It was going to be a me and Mel show, like a Mel and I show. And then, uh, yeah, and then I was poorly as well. So, yeah, Mel could have done a solo one. I reckon uh, people would quite enjoy an hour of Mel discussing her McDonald's order, to be honest. <laughs> Just my rambling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I played this on Game Pass this week and this and this and this. I'd listen to it. Pretty much. I mean, I'd, yeah, have to, I'd, I'd be editing it as well, but... <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, good to be back though, guys. Um, and just before we kind of get into the episode proper, we're going to have a cheeky bonus episode this week with uh, myself and a couple of guests talking Destiny 2 Witch Queen uh, nonsense. And the reason we've done that is because I don't want Ross and Mel to fall asleep while I'm talking about Destiny. So there will be an extra episode, lucky us, um, later on this week. Not entirely sure when that'll go up, but hopefully by the weekend with a couple of guests. So um, look forward to that in your podcast feed. And hopefully that'll make up for the fact that we didn't get to uh, provide you with our excellent entertainment, our dulcet tones last week. But uh, <laughs> what have we been playing, guys? Well, um, do you want me to go first? I mean, Ross, Ross's list is blank because he's been poorly. <laughs> so, so it's probably best. <laughs> so for me... Um, Kingdom Hearts 3 I decided to give that a go I've not played any Kingdom Hearts game for a very long time so wow. that's been fun have you um, learned the power of friendship yet I have always known the power of friendship oh. so it's not teaching me anything else I didn't already know <laughs> no it's really lovely and I, like I'm a bit of a weird Disney person not in the sense like I have Mickey Mouse stuff around my house but like I really like Disney World like it's my favorite place ever so it was it's nice um also played a little bit of Alan Wake um, bit spooky. I like that, and obviously these are all off Game Pass because I'm Game Pass queen. Just absolutely love it. I also played a really random one. I was really hungover on Sunday, like you know, you just got really bad beer fear and you just feel awful. And just started playing this game called I'm going to try and pronounce it Dangan Ronpa, um, and it's like a Japanese that was, game. That was, like a yeah, I remember the first time I tried to pronounce that and I butchered it. So you did well there. <laughs> Oh, buzzing. First time yeah. I've ever pronounced anything properly. <laughs> um, so I played that for about maybe four hours and I really, really liked it because it was just, it's linear and it's not open world and I don't have to like worry about my next mission. It's just kind of there for you. So while I was hungover, yeah, that was a nice bit of escapism. Um, and then on my Switch, I've been playing a bit of Crash Bandicoot, um, you know, the trio, I want to say. The insane Ooh. trilogy that's the one thank you you're just encyclopedic with your gaming knowledge it's insane um I, so yeah well, just been playing unlike a bit of you that. i haven't learned the power of friendship so that's why <laughs> <laughs> i've stayed away from cuphead because i found out that you have to finish every boss with 
the normal difficulty, not easy mode before you can take on the devil. Um, so I've fucked it off now. I'm never doing it. I, I'm not going back and doing it all again. It can go fuck itself. I'm really annoyed. Well, it's a good... uh, but so yeah. I was going to say, it's a good job there's no you know big difficult games coming out at the moment. that we. Uh, well, we'll talk about, about later, that later. <laughs> <laughs> Ross, have you been playing anything? Or have you just been sick as a dog, essentially? I haven't played anything. I did watch a lot of Counter-Strike uh, over the weekend. The, the playoffs of IEM... Katowice, uh, which were incredible. I think uh, it actually broke a record for the final, which was the, the most viewed uh, CSGO match that wasn't a major um, ever. Uh, the final was absolutely incredible. It went three maps, uh, ridiculous amounts of overtime on the second map. Um, and it ended up in a 3-0 sweep where G2 ended up losing across those three maps. A total of they, they had a deficit of six rounds total, so it was incredibly close and I felt very, very sorry for them. But uh, really, really good final um, between FaZe and G2. Uh, so some really good games beforehand. I thought the way Navi handled themselves was, was incredible, given everything that's going on. Um, Simple's sort of speech before before the playoffs kicked off was, was really, really good. Um, <clears throat> and it was just nice to escape a little bit into, into some Counter-Strike. Uh, so yeah, I watched that. Uh, other than that, I haven't really played anything uh, for, the, for the last couple of weeks. I played about... <sighs> about an hour of of um counter-strike myself uh and then realized no i i, I like watching it i don't like playing it anymore <laughs> so that was about it wow that's that feels like quite a realization kind of like just coming to the, the point where you're just like do you know what it's not for me. oh I haven't, I haven't really played it for a couple of years now i just i get i'm not a very nice person when i play counter-strike um it's, it's just <laughs> it just makes me very angry i'm not as good as i want to be so it just makes me angry it's frustrating yeah i kind of get that yeah, get that with with the game we'll talk about later. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, I've been playing Destiny Two, but I'll kind of cover that in the in the next episode. But the key thing is that the Witch Queen expansion is like it's made Destiny Two the best it's been since the game launched in twenty seventeen. So feels like I'm in a really good place, and I could just I just want to absorb all that story and all those characters now. I'm really in a really in a, a quite a loving relationship with Destiny again. We're going steady again. Um, and then uh, I've also been playing Horizon for a bit of West, which is uh, excellent. It's incredible. Um, I don't know if you guys played the first Horizon at all. Um, Are you getting annoyed by the um, conversation? Yes. It? Oh my god. Yes. Mm, yeah. I've heard this off a few people. So, like Aloy, just does not shut up. Like, and, and mm. I, I don't mind her as a character. Like, I think she's a cool character, but it's just like you—you'll be aiming to shoot at something, and she'll go, "I think I need to shoot this," and you're like. What, what do you think I'm doing? I like, <laughs> and and she's just like she over tutorializes everything. Like she's constantly telling you what to do, which is fine if you maybe had an option for that. But she's just like incessant, which is a shame because it takes away from like the really cool stuff of the game, which is the fact that you're hunting massive robot robot dinosaurs with cool mm. traps and turning them into scrap and like taking the scrap selling that getting better gear and that kind of stuff it's got kind of like um it feels like a monster hunter loop in in a kind of big third person single player open world adventure which is really nice because like i love monster hunter so um but yeah i i'm i'm really enjoying horizon forbidden west but another game came out so can i can i just say does that mean my approach of playing story mode games on silent with subtitles and then listening to a podcast in the background would be perfect for Horizon. Yeah, probably would be. Yeah, I think you could probably get away with that, Ross. Actually, do you know, I, I have you played the first one, Ross? 
No. I kind of, <laughs> I kind of guessed you were going to say that. I've, I've been meaning to. I've been up, meaning to. It's on my yeah, list. definitely, definitely, like pick up the first one and, and see if you like it, rather than spending like I, I still can't believe a game on PS5 from Sony costs seventy quid. I'm just, I'm still processing that in my head. Like it's seventy, it's seventy. Pounds. It's one of the cool things about Elden Ring. It's, it's an actual, like, somewhat reasonable price. Yeah, mm. depending on where you buy it from. Yeah, for sure. Um, which brings us nicely to <laughs> Elden Ring. Mel, you've been playing, right? Oh, God. <laughs> I was hungover, as <laughs> you know. I decided to spend 50 English pounds on this fucking stupid game that I thought I was going to be amazing at. I was like, yeah, as soon as I play that, I'm going to be great. Um, never played any kind of Souls-like game before. And I'm terrible. I decided to start off as the one that's just in its underwear. And I don't know why I picked it. So I was just going around with a club. Um, and then I missed the tutorial. And then I was just running through some field trying to attack people with a club. Then I cancelled that, started a new game, started as Vagabond, found the tutorial, really bad at it. Like, I'm super bad. And there's no easy mode. So I did two hours and 16 minutes annoyingly, so I can't even return it. It's just not for me. It's not a me game. I like Ratchet and Clank. I like Hades. I like these silly little stupid games that I can just play and not get stressed out about. And this is just too, there's too much to remember. You know what I'm like, I don't remember anything. I don't remember what the name of the games I'm playing. I don't remember the names of anything. You have to tell me. So when it comes to having to remember all these different things and like get your bow out and blah, 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 no. I'm I'm not doing it. I don't I don't want this. I don't want to have to take notes in a notepad. I just want to play a game. I respect everyone who's playing it. I love that everyone's like bonding over it. But no, I hate it. I despise it, and I can't even return it. Oh man, that's I'm upset. It's heartbreaking. I, I I'm so good. Yeah, so I had like kind of the opposite experience where I've I've also like only dabbled in Souls games. I played, I think, probably the opening hour of Bloodborne like four times, just desperate to get into it because everyone had said like, oh, it's really cool. It's got this kind of like, gothic horror vibe, which I thought was kind of badass. Um, and I just couldn't get into, I couldn't get into Demon's Souls. Well, no, actually Demon's Souls on PS5, I really enjoyed like the first kind of few hours, but then other stuff came out and just, you know, work and, and you know, being a dad, it's just kind of like, you don't have time to put in that, that, that grind to get good. Um, so when Elden Ring came out, I was like, probably gonna bounce right off it especially because like i literally only recently was tweeting like i think i'm over open world games i just don't think they do it for me um but i was like you know what? i'll give it a go and i jumped in and holy shit this game has grabbed me like nothing else has in maybe ever i do, and it's it's so strange like i don't like games that don't give you direction like skyrim was fine but i quite enjoyed just following the main quest sort of thing like i did kind of just follow that bread come breadcrumb trail <laughs> breadcrumb trail <laughs> God uh, some salty bread there um oh. <laughs> but uh with uh elden ring it feels like i just i came out of the dungeon uh, to be fair like you come out of the tutorial dungeon i completely missed you're supposed to go and get some items from the the church that's straight ahead of you i completely missed that i just went off exploring and then I was just like wandering around I've just been like beating the shit out of people and then like whenever like reinforcements turn up I just leg it I just whistle for the horse and then I'm just gone like it's like it's like drive by Elden Ring um but at the same time when I do go into areas I'm kind of like starting to learn that flow where I know I have to kill an enemy I have to get back to the bonfire thing to like 
reset the enemies but also kind of bank what I've got level up and that kind of stuff and I've like gone up a few levels I was playing the other night and I was just out and about and found this guy just in the first area that was like oh hey uh, I've been driven from my castle and there's a shitload of enemies there if you can clear it I'll give you something good but as you say Mel like if you don't remember things it doesn't give you a quest log it doesn't give you any indication there's no map markers so he was like oh it's to the south like past the woods and I was like okay I think I can I think I can work that out and like you get the you get the compass direction so I managed to do it got to this castle got my ass handed to me like multiple times but I eventually did it went back to him he gave me like the shittest weapon I was like are you kidding me right now but that whole kind of story wouldn't have happened if I hadn't stumbled across that NPC which was really cool um and I'm kind of hooked on just playing as the sword and shield guy because you can just kind of bash stuff out of the way and then stab with with the sword um but yeah Ross you've picked it up right uh I've got the game to go along with my PS5 um, <laughs> oh, you got it on PS5 as yeah, well. Yeah, nice. yeah, um, and it's it's actually I've, I've opened the box because I've got like the launch ones that came with the pictures and the poster and all, <clears throat> and I've taken all of that out, and then I put it back in the box, and the box is sat next to my TV downstairs, like I don't know, thirty centimeters away from my PS5, so it's pretty close to being played. Uh, just have that's got good for you. <laughs> That is good for you. 30 centimetres from greatness. <laughs> the Lloyd Coombe story. That's, that's, with my height, that's my story as well. <laughs> I just I just love that like, Mel was like, yeah, I tried it, didn't like it. And I'm like, oh, I tried it and I liked it. And Ross is just like, yeah, it's there. <laughs> I'm not going to do anything with it. Uh, do you think you'll get around to it, Ross? Yeah, 100%. When? Um... <laughs> No, I, I, I need to set the PS5 up. So you haven't set the console up yet. No, I turned it on and then it wanted like a set, a set up. I just, no. Someone, someone is furiously listening to this and they can't get a PS5 and they're just like, well, I hate you. I went to do it and then I was like, well, to be honest, all the games I've got at the moment are PS4 games. So I've just been playing the play- PS4 ever since. So. Oh right, okay. Yeah, and I, and I realised quite early on, like I, I didn't realise how low this, how small the storage is on the PS5. And I know I know you can add a hard drive, can't you? But yeah. I was just like, I've got the the um, PS4 Pro, so I've got so many games on that. I was like, I'm not I'm not going to port everything over when I can just play the PS4. Um, I'm yeah. not in any rush to play the PS5. So I don't like the That makes a lot of sense. Either. Yeah. Do you not like no. the controller? Oh, I prefer the PS5 controller to any any PlayStation. Controller. I don't, I've never liked PlayStation controllers actually. Or like that. Controllers peaked at the Xbox 360, and they've just been a downhill trajectory ever since. A bit like Call of Duty, really. Yeah, true. <laughs> Agree. Yeah. So, Mel, do you think you'll do you think you'll try Elden Ring again? Do you think you'll? Well, I'm get. I have to. I've spent fifty quid. Yeah, and I can't return it. So sunk cost fallacy. Like I got right? digital. Yeah. Do you so want me to buy you a note a notebook? So I'm gonna have to. Like, <laughs> will that help? To be fair, I think I'm gonna need it. A lot of people have been saying like it's really helpful to have a little notepad next to you, and I'm like, why? Like, why can't a game that just, just sounds have a like homework? Yeah, yeah. I just I, I always have notepads in me. It's just too much. So I'll be right. I don't write in them. They're just well, they're just go. there to look like I'm intelligent. Well, there you go, Ross. I think I think you should start Elden Ring. We should see how far I'll, you get. I'll complete it once I start playing. It, I'll get obsessed. I, I just can't afford to lose weekends of my life at the moment. So I, I'm just gonna wait until I've got some free time. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think the thing with Elden Ring, like, it's just so. It, it, as we were saying earlier, like, Horizon is so over tutorializing everything. It's like, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, and like, there's map markers everywhere. Elden Ring's just like, go on, have at so, it. See what sounds you can a bit do. like, like Morrowind. Morrowind was great. So. Yeah, it's like Morrowind if. I don't know. There's. <laughs> I feel like Morrowind's a little bit friendlier <laughs> as well. Like, uh, like. Elden Ring, everything just wants to kill you. Like, I've seen some um, clips of people on Twitter where they're they're fighting yeah. one boss and then like they they stand back and something behind him just one shots him from behind. I'm like that that, <laughs> that would be me. Like I'd quit the game for a fucking week. I just I just yeah yeah. And, and I think it's quite interesting because like people have been saying about how like oh have you found this? Have you found this? And it's become like the next kind of. I remember when Zelda came out like Breath of the Wild. Everyone was like oh don't forget to go to this location to get this item now Ross I know you're not a big fan of uh, well you've not you've not had I will play it one day I just need to get a Switch one day yeah Nintendo Um, but Mel have you played Breath of the Wild no I went to download it the other day because everyone was obviously making comparisons to Breath of the Wild as they always do every time there's a game like this Um, and it was like 70 quid as it came out fucking ages ago why are you nah like can it not just go on (laughs) 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 yeah some kind of pass yeah but if yeah, I, I, I don't know, because again, it's open world and I'm just like, ugh, I just don't think I am that kind of person. I like linear. I like storytelling. All my favourite games yeah, have been I... open world, but I also am someone who, like, I put playing Witcher off for two years and then I finally was like, right, I'll play it. And then I played like the first 10 hours and, and I actually moved house. So I had to take my PC set up apart, move house. And I just never, I never got back on it. And then I finally played it again, like a year later. Then I put... 150 hours in so just it, I, wow. I'm one of those like it'd probably be like that Felden Ring I, I'll probably put it off and put it off and put it off and then go oh my god why have I been leaving this so long and then lose nights of sleep and weekends and you to be fair you might not because it is uh, unlike Horizon it is just like it doesn't mind not telling you anything like you'll go into an area and there'll be like some, some like some kind of random item and you'll pick it up and you'll be like cool can't wait to not find out what this ever does like <laughs> like the, the currency in the game is runes right so you earn runes from killing enemies killing like things out in the wild um and you can co- i think you can collect them as well and i've been collecting these things called golden runes for like ages and i had loads of them in my inventory and it was only when i was playing like last night after like literally playing like fairly solid like eight hours that i realized that if you open your inventory and use the golden rune it just adds it to what you've got and so it turns out I was walking around with like thousands of runes to level up, and I was like, had no idea, didn't know I needed to pick oh them up out of my inventory. So, I'm, I'm, you know, I found now. Um, but also, it turns out there's like fast travel that I didn't even know about. There was, uh, I, I got lucky and got the horse, I think. Um, but there's like other things, like there's a character who's like a merchant that sells you crafting stuff and the stuff you need to craft items, but. I missed him at the start, so I just didn't see him for like like eight hours, and then just bumped into him yesterday. I was like, "Oh, hello." <laughs> um, I guess it's all sort of but, started uh, the conversation around um, sort of do you do you put difficulty settings into games, hasn't it? Uh, and I know the Souls community yeah. is very against that, <clears throat> but um, yeah, it, it's definitely been something that I've been seeing people talking about again. Yeah, it's um, the thing is. Like I saw something, I don't know if we've discussed this before, but someone put on Twitter or something and said, um, it's like having heavy metal toned down for the people who don't like heavy metal. 
It's like it does like if you, you either like mm. this kind of like genre of game or you don't. For me, I can see this as a beautiful game. This is a gorgeous game. Like I can see it, it is definitely up there as game of the year. It's just not for me, and like that's not a bad thing. It's just some games aren't meant for everyone. No game's meant for everyone. Everyone has like the likes and dislikes, don't they? So, yeah, I would I would play it more if it had an easy mode, but it wasn't made for me. Clearly. Yeah, I, I can see that. Does that and make I sense? Think, yeah, definitely. It's 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 sort of some people like hard games, some people don't. I don't tend to like hard games. Um, and honestly, I can't really explain what it is about this has grabbed me. I think maybe it's just I got lucky picking a starting class that just kind of clicked with me, or um, I've not even got like particularly good weapons or armor or anything like that, and I'm kind of working my way through it bit by bit i've only done one boss so far though so maybe like ask me again next week and i'll be like i fucking hate it um but we'll see um, <laughs> but i i think it is very much bringing that difficulty conversation to the fore but i think in a in a slightly different way to prior games because in the likes of say the demon souls game on ps5 if you come to a boss and you get stuck you are stuck whereas i think in elden ring because you've got that opportunity to kind of turn around go backwards go out the way you came come back when you're powered up um, or come back when you've got a better item or come back when you learn something about the character you're fighting. I think it does kind of knock down some of those barriers but at the same time I don't think there's, I don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world if there was kind of a more hack and slashy version that you could just jump in if you like the universe because like it's a, it's a universe that was like in part created by George R. R. Martin and you know it's got these really messed up looking monster designs that i can't wait to see like as a fan of like kind of like body horror kind of stuff like i think that's going to be really cool but it's a shame that so many people won't see that and um, <clears throat> a friend of mine a very casual gamer loves his fifa loves his call of duty was like oh i've heard so much about this elden ring i would pre-order it and literally like he was like within i think about three hours he was like i'm gonna uninstall this is just not for me and you know we're lucky in that we work in press so we kind of we kind of know what to expect with a game but if you were going into that completely uneducated if you were going into like Elden Ring and you had no idea what the Soulsborne games were like or you'd never heard of Sekiro or anything like that like going into going into the Elden Ring and be like well that's 50 quid down the drain like it is a rough one I kind of see why people would want kind of a difficulty setting that maybe takes into account that you're not good at games because like don't tell the internet but not everyone is good at games um, how about you Ross what do you reckon I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I have a, a, a strong opinion one way or the other. Um, I think in, in terms of like the difficulty debate, um, I think some games are there to be beaten, right? If it's a game where it's it's all about whether you you know did you beat the game, and then you have people who go, I beat it, but they beat it on easy mode, then it's not the same, is it? But there's a lot of games I think that people play for the story. You know, I guess you know a, a, an example for me recently has been that I, I went back and you know played Uncharted that's not a challenging game um and and to be honest i played it purely for the story and the enjoyment of it um uh, the witcher i i don't think i played it on death march i think i played it on the the one just below i can't remember what that is now blood and broken bones maybe um and it was challenging enough for me uh to enjoy it and to die quite often uh but also not feel like every time i went near anything i got killed which i don't find enjoyable um I don't, I don't have the time to, to waste on trying to kill a boss for five hours. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess I think with with Elden, Rings, with Elden Ring, sorry, considering the fact it's it's kind of of that soul's mould, 
I understand that why they wouldn't have a difficulty setting. Um, and I don't think there's an issue with it at all. Like Mel said, some games just aren't, aren't for everyone. But I do think from what I've seen of it, uh, and even from my casual friends, I've got one who started playing it and was like, oh, it feels quite soulsy. Um, and has actually then ended up quite enjoying it. I think if people are able to sort of grind through those first few hours, then you know they'll probably acquire enough skill that they can get through it. So yeah, yeah, it's um, it's definitely going to be a divisive game. I think it's going to be a lot of people say game of the year. I think it's probably mine at the moment. Um, but yeah, I'm really interested to see kind of what conversations come out of it because I think as with Zelda, like I mentioned earlier, like. And, and as Mel said, like there's all these comparisons every time there's an open world game. Every time something comes out, it's like, is it as good as Breath of the Wild? For me, I just bounced off Breath of the Wild. It didn't hook me. I thought the world was quite. I thought the world was too open in my in my kind of. People have lower standards for Nintendo games, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think Nintendo is definitely judged by a different metric, mm-hmm. and I think the world of Breath of the Wild, I think, is beautiful, but I think it is quite empty um in, in a lot of areas anyway like there's a lot of rolling fields that look great but it's like when you're in them it just feels like extra stuff to walk through and stuff um I, and i didn't like the weapon durability i found breath of the wild harder than i'm finding um elden ring at the moment which seems like a bizarre thing to say um but, i've, I've yeah, seen quite a, quite a lot of discussion actually about weapon durability for me it's never added anything to a game where, where i've thought I, I really like the fact that i need to maintain my weapons and i need to fix them and they, they get worn down or you know that my armor gets worn down and i need to you know repair it it's, it's never really added an enjoyment factor but i've seen quite a lot of people talking about it and i guess what when i actually started reading i was like well, i can kind of take it or leave it do you, do you feel like it's it's something you would want in so elden ring? no not at all i think elden ring is kind of predicated on i went all this way and i beat this boss and i got like a wicked sword to show for it and i think if then then you go oh, this sword's going to be useless after like 20 swings. Then you're going to be like, well, what was the point? Um, whereas Breath of the Wild, I always felt like it was kind of like, okay, you've got this weapon. It's broken. Now you got to use this weapon. It kind of made the weapons just kind of feel, well, they literally disposable. Like they just felt a bit indistinguishable from one another um, until you get like Master Sword, presumably. I never got that far. Um, but I think certain games do it well like Monster Hunter does it quite well your your weapon doesn't break but it gets dull and then you use the use the like a whetstone to sharpen it but while it's dull you do like what's called blunt damage as opposed to like sharpened damage so it's like a different damage type and some monsters are weaker to it and, but I think um, Elden Ring like the last thing that would need is is that kind of <laughs> durability thing because I think that would that would put me right off it and uh yeah it's already hard enough as it is without like going into a boss. I was going to say you don't you don't want to be fighting a boss for yeah. for twenty minutes and then and then all of a sudden your weapon just breaks. <laughs> yeah, imagine just being one one hit away from the final blow and you just go to swing it and you look and your ha- in your hands it's just not there anymore. <laughs> like it'd be wild, wouldn't it? But uh, yeah, uh, Mel, you know what we could do? We could do some co-op at some point. Although you're on PC, aren't you? So um, Xbox. Oh, you're on Xbox. Okay, yeah. So mm. that's a bit of a tricky one then. Um, that's a shame. Um, yeah, I've had a couple of people offer, and I'm like, I would love to, but unfortunately, I'm the only person in the world who bought it on Xbox. Yeah, so. yeah, I um, I got it on PS5 actually. Uh, unlike Ross, I play my PS5. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, but I did I did buy extra storage for it, so that's probably why I play it most most of my stuff on there because it's just got more storage than my Xbox. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, Elden Ring. It's, it's going to be really divisive. Um, I mean, Ross, you quite like high fantasy kind of stuff anyway, right? 
Yeah, <clears throat> one of the reasons I haven't been playing games as much recently is because Shane, uh, who works at the server with us, got me onto Brandon Sanderson, and I've read about how many books in am I? I'm like six books in, uh, so I've done three Stormlight books, uh, two Mistborn books, something like that. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't even remember because I've just been oh. reading them all one after the other. Um, which is all pretty high fantasy, a bit bit of sci-fi in it as well. Uh, and and that's one of the reasons I haven't been playing games as much. But yeah, I mean, anything fantasy, anything with swords, uh, I'm, I'm pretty much cool with. Yeah, I think there's it's just got a really cool aesthetic. I think nothing else really looks like a Souls game. They, they kind of take that kind of, um, that Skyrim aesthetic of like quite quintessential fantasy and then they just make it really kind of warped and a little bit fucked up which i think i've always quite liked about them even from afar like even when i wasn't playing them i don't know if you're the same mel where like the the creatures just look cool and it's got a really cool vibe yeah i think that's why i really wanted to be good at it and i'm not but one of them in it it doesn't maybe what you should do is is watch a playthrough and just pretend that you've played it and then you can be like right i didn't waste my money now just watch a free youtube playthrough <laughs> so someone who's actually really good at the game go, yeah okay i've got my experience that i paid 50 quid for <laughs> yeah i can say don't that's don't not a bad shout <laughs> i can't believe i was 16 minutes over being able to refund it though i was so annoyed oh what if we what... if i hadn't picked the wrong character class i uh i would have been all right what if we phone big phil and just be like look we talk about game pass enough on this podcast can you just like refund melwa 50 quid you don't need 50 quid he probably he probably goes he probably goes to the loo and just like wipes himself with 50 quid (laughs) just see if he can if he can refund you um maybe i'll go back maybe one day i'll go back maybe i'll be like ross and 10 years from now i'll be like you know what i'm gonna have another crack at that and maybe my taste would have changed Maybe I'll be good at games. Maybe they will have introduced an easy mode. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. It's that's. I think that's the thing with Elden Ring. It's like there's there is an online component, so it is always being tweaked as well. Yeah. So you never know what could could come around the around the corner. I mean, it's quite cool as well. <coughs> Excuse me. Is this kind of like this mechanism where people can leave messages, and uh, people will leave the trolliest messages? They're like, "Hey, yeah, jump down this this." jump off this cliff there's something cool down the bottom you're like I'm not falling for that one and then you look down wasn't the one that was like like there there is like a couple of blood stains where people have clearly just jumped (laughs) so the blood stain thing I had no idea what that was at first so when it was like touch blood stain I was like no I'm not going anywhere near that and then I realised it would show you how people had died and thought that was pretty interesting but all these little notes do my head in and I'm just like oh can you just show me what things are that I need and not just some 14 year olds idea of a funny joke yeah I don't know there's so I, many I, I wish I could well. turn it off like there's so can many can you turn messages. it off uh, you might be able to I don't know some of them some of them are helpful but like the majority of them are just like nonsense and like I, I found yeah. one that was like it said beware snake and I I hate snakes right I'm not good with snakes and I was just like fuck it I'm literally I just left the area I literally I googled it later on. There was like it was like there's one boss in Elden Ring. It's like a bit reptilian. That's it. I was like, so this fucker made me leave this whole location because they put down this note about a snake. I was like, are you kidding me right now? So, so you can't you can't even do snakes take... in games. Nah, man. Nope. Nope. Not even not even not even like the Resident Evil one boss yawn. That's a massive oh, yeah, thing. Cobra mm. thing. Yeah. Yeah. See, my fear of spiders is why I can't play Skyrim. Yeah, I, I when I play, I'm the same. I replaced Skyrim um, spiders with bears with a mod, 
and oh, it's I was going to say I need the moss from the ceiling still. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> but no. they're still just bears. Like so I don't even bizarre. remember the, sc- the spiders in Skyrim. They're it's about literally twenty-five realistic. minutes in. Yeah, they're weirdly yeah. realistic looking. Like in a game that doesn't look great, the spiders have like painstaking attention to detail in terms of like even the hairs on their legs. <sighs> no, as soon as I got to that bit, I put the controller down and I didn't go back. I was like, no, I'm gonna wait until I get a decent gaming PC and just mod it. Yeah, because that ain't for me. That's the other thing as well. Like, I'm quite curious to see what the modding community does with Elden Ring. Like, there's going to be some really weird yeah. stuff. Like, there's a dragon which is just crying out to be made into Thomas the Tank Engine or some fucking weird shit like is that. Is it? Like, you just know it's coming. Always Thomas the Tank Engine. Every time. <laughs> uh, yeah, with with uh, the modding side of it, is that something where they can actually like add expansions and add quests like they do in other games, or is it very limited to like graphics and stuff like that? I think it's it's a little bit less open ended than something like Skyrim where you can essentially build like whole new areas of the game and stuff. I think it's I think with Elden Ring it's probably gonna be people will do quality of life things, like someone's already added a pause menu, like because you can't pause the game and that kind of stuff. So I think it's gonna be a lot of quality of life stuff and probably stuff that switches assets out for like weird shit, like as we say, like Thomas the Tank Engine flying through the sky and like the first time you encounter a dragon in Elden Ring, this isn't really a spoiler because it literally happens in like the first area. Like, you're on the horse, you're charging across, and there's like this group of enemies, and you're thinking, oh, it's easy XP or like easy runes. And then, like, as you get closer, this dragon just swoops down from the sky, like, kills them all, and then just turns and looks at you. And I've still not gone near him. I just I just literally turned around. I was like, nope. <laughs> Eight hours later, I'm still plucking up the courage to go and fight that dragon. And it looks like the, it looks a bit like the dragon from uh, God of War 2018 as well, Ross. Mm. You know, it's like one of them. Great game. Do you, you, you played God of War, right? I've got it. I thought, I thought you had. Oh, okay. It was Mel that played it. Sorry, I got confused. I got confused. Yeah. So, oh, and it looks like Ragnarok's coming out really soon. I can't wait. Yeah. Oh, there it is. I <laughs> think, he's showing us God of War. It's, it, it, I think Elden Ring will be a lot of people's game of year, but like there is still so much good stuff left left to come. Um, yeah. Ragnarok. Um, I'm trying to think now. <laughs> I'm really excited for Marvel's Midnight Suns as well, like the strategy game based on Marvel. But I'm a bit of a turn-based strategy uh, fan, so... Uh, but yeah, what a year for games already! Like, just in February, like we did that episode at the start of February. It was like, Seafood's coming out, and Dying Light's come out, and Horizon's coming out, and Elden Ring's coming out. And I kind of said to you guys, like, I think Elden Ring's going to be huge, and it, it was. Wow. <laughs> I think five, five I, I think stars for predicting that one, Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, well, <laughs> I had meant that it would be like huge in terms of like it would be a cultural thing, and I think it has been in the same way that Breath of the Wild was. Uh, in 2017 I think I, I feel really sorry for Horizon because it launched alongside yeah. Breath of the Wild and now it's launched alongside Elden Ring and it just feels like Gorilla cannot catch a break but I think they've got the advantage of being like a AAA first party exclusive where people are going to pick up Horizon regardless of what else is coming out at the time but uh, yeah I do kind of feel like they've probably been passed over for game of the year now which is a shame because all moaning about Aloy chatting nonsense aside like it is a really really great game and a really good sequel as well. It's like everything is better than the first. From what I've seen as well, she she's just a really good protagonist, right? Like for 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 mm. numerous reasons. Um, yeah, she's she's the sort of person that you you want uh, leading up a game. So yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a series that I'll get into. Uh, is it, is it Aloy in the first one as well? In in yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, they're both Aloy, and then so there's an expansion for the first one as well, and it's still Aloy okay. there. Yeah, 
it's um it's really good mate it's i as i say i i, I kind of tend to avoid open world games but horizon definitely hooks me i think the the key with horizon is you know open world games i know we're kind of going off on a tangent again here but like you know how open world games like combat's quite often feels like an afterthought after world building and traversal and that mm-hmm. um horizon's got just really really great combat like throughout whether you're using the bow whether you're using traps whether you're using spear like it's all good um the enemies are cool to fight and it's just you have these epic fights like every single encounter feels epic and i think that's something that uh open world games like elden ring aside kind of struggle with at times i think everything can feel a bit like formulaic it's just in a different area mm. but uh yeah cool elden ring everybody <laughs> <laughs> um should we move on to some questions i mean there are there aren't really many yes. questions here today <laughs> we've only got two <laughs> One one of them is is Mel happy about Elden Ring chat? Hmm. <laughs> I'm happy that everyone else is happy. That's very nice of you. It's a diplomatic answer, but as I say, it's just not for me. Fair enough. But, but it has to be now because you spent fifty pounds on it, so you're gonna have to make it for you at some point. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, honestly, but. Yeah, um, it's beautiful and it's everything everyone wanted it to be and what more can you ask for, really? It's just people like me who aren't good at games are just annoyed. I'm really well, excited for like next week theirs. when Mel, choo- Mel like jumps on the podcast and we're like, what have you been playing? And she's like, Elden Ring. And, and it'll either go one <laughs> or two ways. She'll be like, I still haven't got my 50 quid's worth. Or she'll be like, I am so good. I just killed that dragon that Lloyd was too scared to fight. You know? I think I just if I'm gonna play, I just need to go around like leveling up as much as I can before I even try and attempt and take on any kind of boss. Yeah, I mean, if only the but game like explained how you could level up and stuff as well. You know. Well, luckily there's lots of guides on Deserto and GG Recon, so. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone everyone is right to their own ring now. It's uh, it's wild. Yeah. Um, but the only other question we've got is. <laughs> from James Wright Ezio is coming to Fortnite so it's only right that you ask Ross how he's feeling Ross will you play Fortnite now no. that boy Ezio is in it <laughs> no absolutely not oh Abs- come on absolutely not but he will he, he will be the best person Fortnite that ever Ezio. joined Fortnite and he'll probably like he'll probably be so overpowered that he'll just like knock people's buildings down with his hidden blade or something so you know. <laughs> I don't know if that's how it works thinking about it, now that you're talking about it, you kind of want to see what he looks like though don't you I've already googled it oh okay <laughs> Are you pleased with the Ezio? Uh, it doesn't really look like him, I don't think. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, I'd say it's a bit cartoony. Uh, it just looks like a young version of him, but it kind of also looks like the, the guy from Black Flag. It's a bit weird. Yeah. Oh, is it Kenway? 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 I can't remember Black Flag. Black right. Flag. Black Flag, I, I really didn't enjoy it at the time. And then actually, like looking back at him, like, that was pretty good. It just wasn't exactly what I wanted at the time. Um yeah, so. it's a good pirate. Need to have a look good at pirate design. game, not great for. Uh, the, if you if you go back and look at it now, like the graphics have held up really well. Like it, it, in terms of like the way the game looked, it was it was it was a really really good game. But yeah, I just I got that, I got that when I got my PS4, because that was the first uh, Assassin's Creed on that gen that gen of console. And I just remember being like, oh my God, look at the water. It looks so good. <laughs> I think it probably still does look good as well. Like Assassin's Creed does uh, does always look great. Um, but I, that's all the questions we've got for today. 
So that's sad. But if anyone's got any more questions, do let us know. And as I say, we'll have a bonus episode later this week as well for the four people out there that, that still care about Destiny 2, like uh, me and our <laughs> guests do uh, as well. So, um, but I think that's everything from me. Have you guys got anything you wanted to, want to add? I don't know. Well, I was going to ask if either of you two have watched the Uncharted fo- uh, movie. Fo- movie? Movie. <laughs> I haven't watched it. Uh, I I haven't. I've, I've seen it. I've, I know a few people who have. Um, most of them say really good as a standalone movie, not good as an Uncharted movie because it's not true to the characters. But in terms of like, if you just if you didn't call it Uncharted, I think I spoke about this before. Maybe I didn't. Uh, if you didn't call it Uncharted and it was just like Treasure Hunter, whatever, um, apparently it'd be quite a good film. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it was all right. I w- went to see it in 4DX, so I was being thrown about everywhere. It was great. Just like that, that is literally like going like going to the cinema and just getting like one of those really painful massages, isn't it? It's like getting <laughs> like you, you come out, your muscles ache. You know, like I remember, I remember working with someone, and they were like, I went and saw Avengers: Infinity War, and I felt like Thanos had kicked the shit out of me at the end. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like ouch. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I could do that. I, I think I, I I don't I think I'll probably wait till it comes out on DVD to be honest, or uh, on like Sky Cinema or something. But Slander. Ross, while we're on the subject of uh, of video game adaptations did you say you don't like the witcher show yeah it's crap okay because <gasps> I, I, really? I'm, I'm gonna properly start it soon it's uh it would be a half decent it would be a half decent fantasy show if it wasn't in the world of the witcher uh he does a good job uh, and he actually you know has a lot of respect for the source text but outside of that it's just not very good it's it's almost like fan fiction in the world of the witch now it's it's gone completely away from the books and the and the, the games and actually the games follow a different storyline especially the third one from the books but they're both incredible standalone things and, and they you know really build on this this world um that the author had created and i mean you've got to remember as well the books are translated from polish so there's a lot lost in the tran- in translation there. It's still incredibly rich and still incredibly good. And then the the TV show just sort of just Netflixifies it, and it just it just dumbs it down. And they they don't they change some really important characters in the way they do things. Um, they they sort of they, the first episode of season two was all right. Uh, they they kind of used uh, one of the short stories from The Last Wish uh, and did like a TV adaption of that, and that was pretty good. But then. The rest of the series is just a train wreck in terms of actually good Witcher content. Oh, that's a shame. I was, I'm going to give it a go. Mel, have you watched it? Yeah, I've watched it all. I liked it. <laughs> but I love him, so... Yeah, happy, happy he's, he's, he's really good. Oh, and honestly, he's, he's one of the only things that holds it together. But it's like I say, if you, if you watch it as just a standalone fantasy show, you'd probably be like, it's a 7 out of 10. Uh, but... As a, as a sort of representation of one of the best fantasy series and book games ever, uh, it just it just doesn't live up to them. It really doesn't. But if, I'd say to anyone, if, you, fair, if you're... you're watching the if you've watched the show and you thought that's good, do yourself a favour and, and read the books or or get the audio books or play the games. And, and you can do either. Like I say, the, the stories of the games are a bit different. I actually prefer. I shouldn't say this, but I actually prefer the way the, the games end. Um, but I, I would say anyone who is interested in it, because it's quite confusing, the show. It, it jumps around. It doesn't really explain characters. Go, go and read the books, and, and they're, they're really, really good. Really good. 
I might read the books actually. I've not read any books for a while, so. Yeah, you and me both, Mel. I think probably a good mm. decade. <laughs> it's been so long since I read a book. It's about, about as long so. as it took me to, to play a game, so. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am to books what Ross is to games. There you go. I'll I can, I can sit here and talk about fantasy books for much longer than I could talk about games. <laughs> Maybe uh, if this if the the bonus episode goes well later, we can uh, we can do a bonus episode where you talk about books. <laughs> uh, but, oh, I'd love that to be fair. Yeah, I'd listen. To, I'd like to listen to Ross's voice all day. Gl- glitch slap I'm book lucky up. I get to work with him. <laughs> yeah, glitch slap book up. Yeah, it sounds quite good actually. Yeah, I'd tune in for that. Right, note to self: get a new logo drawn up for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's everything, guys. Um, thank you so much for joining me this evening. I know it's uh, kind of a bit wild in the world at the moment but it's always a pleasure to kind of chat with you guys and just hang out and just talk about video games with two people that I've never met personally but that I love spending time with <laughs> once a week oh same cheers guys Ross is very silent <laughs> <laughs> right thank you so much everyone uh, do give us a, a like and a share and uh, you know subscribe if you can and if you can give us a, a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcast that'd be amazing as well um, and thank you so much. We'll be back. As I say, I'll be back later on this week, and then we'll be back next week. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so Bye. much. <laughs>